no audio, Charlie. My goodness. My are. goodness. Still, still no music. Um, and uh, Jeremiah's going to be mad at me. I always get the music into the audio version that we post on to, um, gosh, uh, uh, Spotify and all popular podcast platforms, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, all that stuff. But um, yeah, I'm still learning StreamYard. I will get it right next time. I don't. Th- I just. Th- I don't think it supports audio from uh, Keynote, so I'll have to uh, do the slides and the audio separately, which is fine. Uh, we got some folks here already. Jumping General, welcome, Frog Puppet, Sean, uh, and I. I hope I don't butcher your name, Sean Kirkshank. Kirkshank, um, awesome. Oh, Liam. Liam wants to join. Liam, it says uh, device is not connected. You need to connect your mic and cam before I can add you to the stream. Holy smokes. Uh, I can hear Jeremiah and Kay. Uh, Jeremiah is muted, but um, wow. Okay, awesome. Off to a great start. Boom, we're live. Uh, Welcome, everybody, to episode seven, uh, hard to believe, of the Coin Jam podcast. Cameron, thanks for joining. What's going on? Um, And yeah, we are off and rolling. Now, I was not kidding when I said... um, this could be our most controversial episode because there will be some opinions shared uh, that might rub people the wrong way. No matter what side of the uh, the uh, aisle, so to speak, you find yourself on in terms of this hobby, um, even perhaps more controversial than the uh, the Oregon episode. So this in this episode, we're going to be talking all about uh, reproduction parts and cabinets and all sorts of things like that. You know, how far are you willing to go for originality and and um, you know, being a purist versus a pragmatist. And uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get some, uh, some good conversations out of that and looking forward to engaging with everybody in the live chat. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, um, now that we got all four of us, uh, yeah, we'll be talking all about uh, all about that sort of thing. Everything from J rock to LCD to arcade one up uh, and everything in between reproduction, harnesses, reproduction, artwork, new old stock stuff, uh, uh, all of that sort of thing. But you know, before before we uh, we get going with that, we'll kind of do introductions and just go through the sort of uh, typical stuff that we uh, always talk about uh, every episode, our standard updates. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining in the live chat. That's awesome. We love interacting with everybody. Jerry Voluptuous, uh, one of my favorites. I don't want to play favorites, but Jerry is one of my favorites. Uh, Overtime Arcade channel members, and Jerry owns a delicious pizza restaurant just outside of Philly. Uh, I had the pleasure to meet Jerry for, in person for the first time recently and stopped by his uh, his restaurant. So Manbrozo's to go in Aston, uh, Pennsylvania. Check it out if you're ever in the area. And uh, Mike, or should I say St. Michael, uh, Mike from, amateur, from Mike's Amateur Arcade Monitor Repair joining us in the live chat. Thank you, Mike, for uh, on behalf of the entire hobby for everything you do, not just Mike doesn't just have an awesome YouTube channel where he's constantly working on some of the most you know, uh, uh, pernicious issues with all different kinds of uh, CRT monitor chassis. Mike also done, does a ton of stuff behind the scenes, testing uh, new reproduction parts, new um, lots of new flybacks. He's recently been testing new reproduction uh, neck boards, which is sort of a, a perfect perfect setup for uh, for this episode. So Mike, thanks for joining. And uh, yeah, absolute, absolute legend. Uh, and as Jeremiah said, we got some high class names in the chat here. So uh, why don't we start with with intro? So if you've never seen this before, never seen the podcast before, I'm Charlie from Overtime Arcade. If you're watching this on the live stream, you're watching it on my channel. I, I've been the host of the of the podcast. Um, uh, Kay, uh, do you want to introduce yourself? 
Sure. My name is Kay. I'm the owner of Prime Arcade Sales and Repair here in West Texas. I buy, sell, repair, and restore arcade and pinball equipment as well as some other coin-op stuff. I also have a TikTok and a Facebook, and that's where you can find me. I don't I'm hear you, Charlie. nothing from you, Charlie. Oh, I was making an OnlyFans joke, so it's probably good that I uh, uh, <laughs> was, was muted. I was talking about how uh, the, the amazing provocative dances that you're doing on TikTok all the time, but I think most of that's moved behind a paywall now. <laughs> yeah, family uh, show, Charlie. Family show. There you go. There you go. Jeremiah, uh, uh, tell us about you uh, You and your channel. Well, my name is Jeremiah Jackson, and I run the Coin Op Corner YouTube channel, which has merch now. Please buy it. Um, don't upload very regularly, but <laughs> there you go. Nice, nice. I like that one. So I don't, don't upload very regularly, but as soon as I get to everything, I, I get these full-length videos where start to finish pretty much the whole restoration in a single video. So if you like that kind of stuff, uh, I do our video arcades, but also some of the more obscure coin ops like claw machines. And uh, you can see here I got a gumball machine episode coming up too. So so stay tuned for that. And we lost Liam. Uh, sounds like Liam was uh, having some technical uh, difficulty. So uh, Liam is one half of the team behind Retrobotics on YouTube uh, with his wife, uh, Sam. Uh, they do great videos on all different types of uh, uh, mostly arcade uh, machines. They do some pinball as well. I was actually just at uh, Liam and Sam's house earlier today. We can talk about that a little bit when uh, he gets back online. But uh, yeah, I think their most recent video was all about... Um, the uh, the kind of uh, tricky uh, Atari logo joysticks on the gauntlet cabinet and sort of you know taking them apart and putting them back together, fixing them up, that sort of thing. So uh, awesome. So usually we're not we're not as bad as this. I know Liam's in a he's, he's in a new house. He's got everything just set up now, um, and he was going to try to uh, live stream from his uh, arcade, but uh, we'll get him back on relatively soon. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny at this point that Mike still calls his channel Mike's Amateur Arcade Monitor Repair because I think, you know, most of us would see him sort of as a as a pro's pro. But for the rest of us, this is definitely an amateur uh, an amateur podcast. So why don't we roll right into the uh, the sort of standard updates here? Um, uh, Jeremiah, you want to go first talking about any game room updates, any pickups, that sort of thing? Uh, what's been going on in your world? So I haven't picked up anything new since the last episode. The gumball machine to my uh, to my left here, I had that. I picked that up right before the last episode, but I've just now got to working on it. Uh, the only addition to the game room is uh, that Kansas 50th anniversary T-shirt because um, I went to see Kansas on the 50th anniversary tour. And how that's relevant is that that's when I met up with uh, Cameron, who we had on an episode recently. And I dropped off the uh, joust slash chop lifter that I picked up for him for him a couple episodes ago. So nothing new in the game room, but I did do a little bit of arcade stuff with uh, Cameron the other week. So be between between your handoff to Cameron and also um, um, the uh, the handoff you made to me recently, I think you're you're basically just starting a new business, being a, a cabinet runner. Uh, up and down the East Coast, you know, through the the hollers and valleys, just running cabs to everybody. Yeah, I mean, it gives me some of the uh, the fix of picking up a new game and uh, maybe even doing a little work on it, but I don't have to keep it. So if anybody wants to wants to make me do that, that's fine with me. I mean, some people started that way, and it's blown up into a huge uh, business for them, even even international now. And uh, of course, I'm speaking of uh, Bob Thanks, Cunningham. Hey, much better, much better. Welcome, Liam. Uh, of course, I'm speaking of uh, Bob Cunningham, who uh, owns uh, As Found Arcade Machines on on Facebook. I think he got his start sort of just like 
providing a low cost shipping uh, option to folks all across the country. And now he's turned that into a huge, huge, huge business, you know, picking and, and reselling things all across the, the country. And I think he's even planning a European tour either later this year, or early next year. Uh, and he's, uh, he's the guy that got that, um, uh, was it the, the, the time machine or time capsule, uh, warehouse up in Canada where all of these yeah, universal cabs. Yeah. Uh, Liam, welcome. Uh, I kind of introduced you on your behalf, but I don't know if you want to go ahead and, and uh, fill in uh, the blanks there and uh, tell us about any uh, recent uh, pickups or game room updates you have to share. Uh, the only game room update is now that you, you can actually see it now for the first time. I'm actually doing a session from in the arcade, although I'm not burning phosphors. Thank you so much, Charlie, for helping me rejuvenate those phosphors, at least on uh, Space Invaders over there. You got but, a couple uh, more hours left of life on that tube. It's <laughs> <laughs> all I need. That's how much it gets played. Um, no recent pickups on our part. Uh, everything has been pretty static here. Nothing new has entered uh, the game room since last time. Uh, nothing has moved on any of the projects that are currently in the workshop since I'm all just waiting for parts to, to show up. So this is it for now. Practice. You got it all set up now. I was playing uh, playing Firefox and Tron earlier today, uh, so we weren't just it wasn't just all business uh, <laughs> at a repair party. We were uh, hanging out. Uh, Liam actually fed my kids brunch, made them waffles. It was great. They had a great time. Uh, they yeah, were playing the, with the Sam too. The snap circuits open, yeah. fully operational battleship. And uh, uh, Kay, how about you? Uh, any cool things you've picked up lately? I know you volume wise, you do more than all of us combined, but. Anything super interesting lately? As far as the shop goes, I haven't really picked up much for projects or anything like that, mostly because I'm just trying to burn through the dozens of stuff I've already got. Uh, I did pick up a confidential mission in a dedicated cabinet that was a buyback. Um, so I'd already worked on it before. I'd only sold it maybe two or three years ago. So uh, very little has to be done to it to get it back up and, and ready for sale. And I think I've already got a buyer anyway, so... I don't really have to worry about it. The only game room update I have is the Cyclone pinball machine that I bought for myself, I don't know, four or five months ago and put it in the shop and didn't do anything with. I finally brought it here and did the work, and it's 100%. I fixed every issue it had. I changed all the rubbers with some new Titan silicone rings, uh, LEDs, spotlights, all that fun stuff, and it's a fully playable and operational pin in my collection. There you go. That's got to be uh, satisfying to actually do something for yourself, right? Not just your customers. Apparently, the only way I can really make myself work on something that's for me is to put it in my way in my home because that's the only way I'll do it. There you go. And I think that's uh, that was one of the reasons that I was over at, at Liam's place today. So Dell from Delusionals Arcade, most, most folks, if you're uh, watching or listening to this, are probably familiar with that channel. I was actually up his way. I don't know, last weekend or the week before, I can't remember. Um, and uh, I got actually got a Qbert board uh, from him. Um, and he had a 25-inch um, standard res monitor that I guess was in his way. Like literally he was tripping over it. And his wife was getting on his case telling him, you know, you need to find a better place to, to store this thing. So he gave it to me to bring down to Liam and Sam down in, uh, in Maryland. So I uh, uh, sort of helped out with the uh, kind of Arcade Underground Railroad uh, yes, free transportation. Del, listening, thank you so much again for that monitor. It'll hopefully help out our Smash TV. Yeah, because uh, you're wrestling with a Cortec that just uh, didn't want to behave. So hopefully this, uh, I think it's a, it's a K7400, something like that, that uh, Dell gave you 
uh, what a nice guy. So, um, yeah. And, and for me, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm almost like uh, scared to admit this, um, with, you know, only a couple days left in the month of August, I haven't picked up a single machine this month at all. This is, uh, this is, I'm breaking my streak. Um, I have picked up a cabinet every month so far this year. Uh, last month in July, I tied my record. I picked up five cabinets last month. I, I tied uh, March of this year was also five cabinets. And so I'm feeling a little, I don't know, weird uh, that I haven't, I haven't picked one up. So I don't know if I'm starting to go through withdrawal or, or whatever. I've been getting a lot of parts, uh, buying a lot of parts. I got some from Dell. I got some from uh, Clav and eBay, you know, things that I needed for uh, the projects that I've got going because I've got plenty of projects going on right now to keep me busy and uh, sort of hard to keep track of where I am with each one and, and what I need to, uh, to put into them. I've been doing a ton of videos, though. So I think since our, since our last episode, um, I had one really kind of blow up. So um, the, the, I did one on a, a tube swap for a G07 because I broke uh, the neck on a G07, unfortunately. I think that was right after our, our monitor episode was our last one. I went and I necked a tube. And uh, fortunately, I caught most of it on camera. But uh, if you want to hear one of the most just uh, horrifyingly haunting sounds you can hear in this hobby, go watch uh, that video. But then really what happened was uh, about two weeks ago, or I guess two weeks ago today, I released my uh, kangaroo pickup video. And that one has just gone stratospheric. Uh, it's, it's over 6,000 views at this point. Uh, and I guess people just like abandoned malls because I picked up that kangaroo from an abandoned mall in Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, yeah, that's that's gone absolutely uh, amazing. Um, I did do another pickup video last week. That was for the uh, the Dig Dug cocktail that had been converted to Do Run Run. Do Run Run, surprisingly fun game. Dell was telling me that, I and I think Cameron was telling me too, both of them were telling me that I should just leave it as a uh, Do Run Run because that's a fun and I guess pretty uncommon game. And it was a really nicely done conversion on the outside. On the outside, yeah. The inside, not so much. So the outside, they got rid of the 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 Dig Dug uh, uh, underlay, which is unfortunate because no one's really reproducing it right now. Although fortunately, there are high res scans of it, so I'll be able to get somebody to uh, to make it for me. But yeah, Liam, on the inside, so uh, I I I, I, I lost count of all the problems on the inside, right? So no isolation transformer, no line filter. The no fuses at all in the cabinet, right? Uh, the G07 FBO 13 inch monitor was plugged in directly to wall power. There's no switch in the cabinet. Um, they cut the frame of the monitor in order to rotate it from vertical to horizontal. And there's like super, super sharp edges from where they, they cut the frame. Um, uh, uh, and what was the, I, I caused a problem too. Um, Oh, I connected the uh, multimeter wrong when I was measuring voltage. I had them on two DC lines instead of uh, one to ground. Uh, and I also, I don't know if I caught this on camera, I tripped over the wire for my uh, isolation transformer power supply thing and yanked it out and uh, could have uh, shorted something. But uh, yeah, sort of a, a bit of a jack in the box, but we'll get that going uh, just fine. And then uh, I just released an episode today. Uh, well, it was available yesterday to... Uh, Overtime Arcade channel members like uh, Jerry Voluptuous, who's been in here, and Sean Cruikshank, and uh, Frog Puppet, and I'm trying to forget if I'm forgetting others. Um, so I did a uh, so this is part two of the Kangaroo. I um, 
uh, got the monitor going again. So when I when I bought that kangaroo, it had a Matsushita uh, TM202G, which does not have the best reputation. Kay, have you worked on many Matsushitas? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so this is a monitor that is not well regarded at all. It's basically a Panasonic TV that they converted at the factory to a arcade monitor. Like half the chassis is is unpopulated, and it's just sort of really, really different from you know any Wells Gardner or Electrohome or anything you'd be you'd be used to seeing. Oh, and we got another big name. Uh, I think this is the Chance Johnson from the Canadian Arcade. Lots of big names in the live stream in the live chat today. Thank you, Chance, for joining. Um, uh, uh, so Matsushita, total mess. Uh, did a cap kit on it, just uh, but I was having all kinds of of sync issues. But finally got it working and ran into a really really interesting issue with the uh, 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 with the isolation transformer for that too. I guess it draws more amps than a, a typical a typical monitor. But uh, yeah, lots of things going on. I've been working on Cuber. I was supposed to have that Cuber video out today instead, but I forgot to order something from Arcade Parts and Repair that I needed for the power supply. But yeah, lots and lots and lots of activity. But I haven't picked up a cabinet since uh, since July, and it just doesn't it doesn't feel right. So if anyone has a uh, uh, an incredible lead on something, I might have uh, I might have something uh, to pick up in the next couple of days. So anyway, with that out of the way, um, why don't we talk about projects? Um, Jeremiah, you do have quite a bit going on as well, and I know you've been providing updates to uh, to us in our our private uh, you know behind the scenes chat room, and also you've been posting little little teasers on your community tab on your channel. So uh, when are you finally going to get uh, the 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 final part of the pack uh, restore uh, uh, launched? As soon as I finish fixing the Pac-Man board. So I think I mentioned in our last episode that uh, I've got the monitor running, which is what I was concerned I wouldn't be able to get running. Monitors are troublesome, and they're known for whatever causes the problem just blows everything back up after you replace it. But thankfully, I was able to fix that monitor in one shot. Uh, but now the PCB, um, the other Saturday, I spent about six hours going through every trace from every ROM and every RAM chip and uh, also the Z80 processor, just making sure everything's connected where it needs to go. And uh, fixed a few traces on that. I found a few chips that weren't outputting anything and uh, got all those replaced. But I've still got nothing but, strangely, sixes coming up on the board and this, like, disheartening, what on earth, a disheartening sound whenever I turn the machine on. So we got a little bit of demon possession going on with that Pac-Man, which hopefully I'll be able to fix in the future as soon as I've got time to tear into it. I, I may have um, – reestablished connections that weren't supposed to be established in the first place um, many months ago when I did first start working on it. So I need to go through now and instead of checking for broken traces, check for you know shorts. Um, aside from that, I've been working on some gumball machines, which will be the next episode, which will hopefully be out before the next podcast episode. And uh, while that's not incredibly unique information, it'll be uh, an interesting little romp. So I look forward to that. Between so I think... Go ahead. Between the four ghosts possessing your machine, I blame Clyde. He is he is the only one without a rhyming name, so he is immediately suspicious. Also, I don't know what that was earlier, Charlie, when you blocked the camera, but that's the worst magic trick I've ever seen. Well, Nothing I put a, po a post-it note on it because I jumped up just to make sure that everything is fine with the asteroids. I got spooked earlier, sort of uh, before we went live. I was getting weird noises on none of these games have uh, a track mode sounds uh, turn on. So I jumped up and everyone saw my, uh, the guys here saw my gym shorts and I was worried that it was the Tempest starting to freak out, but it was actually the joust 
just for whatever reason started making uh, sounds uh, and I rebooted it and uh, it seemed to, to be fine. So I threw my uh, I threw a, a post-it note on over the camera because earlier I tried to turn off the uh, the, the the camera and it booted me from the uh, from the stream. So I think I've got it all figured out, uh, figured out now. And yeah, uh, yo, Eddie, this problems for one day. Yeah. Uh, yo, Eddie, thanks for joining. Uh, Levi, thanks for joining. I think hopefully we got the 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 right uh, Chance Johnson uh, uh, now uh, with the, uh, the 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 avatar that I think he's been using uh, most recently. But uh, yeah, okay, uh, Liam, how about you? Why don't we you know talk about what you've been uh, working on, even even as few as a couple hours ago, as far as I know. Yeah, the, the big one that we just put out a video on is Sam and I finally got around to finishing our gauntlet, which meant tracking down four original Atari logo joysticks, you know, the worst engineered joysticks ever made, and installing them in our gauntlet too, which is now playing a lot better and looks a lot nicer too, given that the, uh, the joysticks are installed. So we're really happy about that. Also, um, as mentioned before, uh, Charlie was here earlier today helping me out with his rejuvenator. We got Space Invaders all uh, rejuvenated and looked great. Apparently, the tube was so dead that it didn't even register at all on the rejuvenator. Just a flat nothing. So it's nice to see an actual image as opposed to the faint after image of what might have been uh, loaded on that screen. Though, we also tried to work on Tempest and we broke the cardinal rule of don't move a working vector machine. We, uh, we pulled it out and uh, we put Charlie's dead board in it and that board stayed dead. And then we put our uh, working board back in and nothing. That was super fun. I think your Tempest just turned on when you said Tempest. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to show uh, Charlie. I was able to... Uh, Fix the blue. Oh, really? Yeah. So we uh, we have the blue back on. I can see it. Look at that. Two tempests, two working tempests on one live stream. That's got to be some kind of record. And uh, just want to say thank you for Strigger Films with the two hundred million dollar uh, super chat donation. Thank you so much. Uh, Stringer Film says Geo Seven with no ISO. Seems like it's more than meets the eye. Yeah, that was. Uh, uh, definitely full of surprises. We'll get that working soon enough. I got an ISO on order. I just placed that order with Peter yesterday. Um, we'll get that. We'll get that working. Um, but you know, one of the things I want to do with that cabinet is uh, I do want to eventually turn it back into a a dig dug or maybe figure out some sort of way to run dig dug and uh, do run run inside. Uh, I I have a go ahead. Well, yeah. Well, but even then, it's like you have the horizontal versus vertical sort of a uh, thing to 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 contend with. Um, we uh, we'll, when we'll get to Bitkit later. That'll be a topic of discussion in uh, in a little bit. But uh, I have a uh, non-working um, uh, a Dig Dug PCB that I brought to Liam's house today. So we were hanging out. Brought a couple of my kids over. Uh, Liam cooked him waffles. And then uh, uh, Sam was uh, playing with them Legos and uh, snap circuits and playing outside with the dog and that sort of thing. And uh, uh, Liam has a FPGA cat box. So I brought a bunch of my broken boards over uh, and hooked them up to sort of see, you know, what was going on. That's a, a great sort of tool for uh, troubleshooting, diagnosing issues uh, with PCBs with uh, that have CPUs that are supported uh, by it, like um, 6502 and... Um, uh, um, 
what was the last one? I'm blanking on Z80, all, all, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, sure enough, it's not working. Um, but uh, I've got a lead on on where we can go from there. And yeah, with that with that Tempest, I brought my backup Tempest PCB that's also not working. And uh, we couldn't even get very far because apparently the the crystal or the clock's not working on it right at all. But uh, and and for a moment, I know uh, uh, Liam's heart was uh, beating extra fast before we could get his Tempest working, and I felt bad too because the only reason he touched his was to help me fix mine. But um, yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, I'm glad you were able to get that that blue working. So we were. I brought my I brought my uh, rejuvenator over there, but uh, neither of us realized that the 6100 monitor actually uses a CR24. Uh, adapter for the uh, the B&K Precision 467 uh, uh, rejuvenator. So most monitors use like a CR23 or a, a 30 or a 31. This one uses a 24, which is almost exactly the same as the 23, except red and green are flipped. And it's got a different sort of, um, uh, uh, I guess, the the sort of pin. Um, what's protector. it called? Yeah, the protector, the the plastic sort of thing that goes over the pins is a different fit. So yeah, yeah, Stringer Films, a 24. Um, and so we were, were Googling and looking for, um, you know, if we could even find like a CR24 socket to use. I know somebody in somebody in the EU was selling them on Clav a couple of years ago for super cheap, like six euros a piece. But we got to figure out where we can get a, a, a 24. Or I do have a universal adapter that just has sort of individual pins that you connect yeah, to. We, the... we checked that we couldn't do that unless we yanked this, this, this spark protector off of it. Yeah, because the the pins are only exposed on the outside, right? They aren't yeah. sort of like pins that you can put the the universal on. So, yeah, if you have a CR twenty four socket stringer, uh, um, would love to buy it for you, or even just bar. Like, if you have a CR twenty four adapter, we'd be happy to um, you know borrow it uh, uh, and and pay for for shipping both ways. I'd be happy to happy to do that. Um, Let's see. Uh, yeah, and I, I have a huge bag of them too, right? Like Liam was probably uh, like saw me dump them onto the asteroids cocktail that he's sitting at right now, and sure enough, we didn't have it. I even had though. I had a, a CR6 adapter for the uh, the black and white uh, uh, tube in the uh, the Space Invaders, and uh, yeah, now Stringer's going to go going to go check. Um, yeah, let's see other things I've been working on. I've been working on the uh, the Cuber and the 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 uh, ice, uh, the transformer assemblies in good shape. I need to rebuild the power supply and we'll get close on that oh uh what else have i what else have i spending a lot of time with the uh the kangaroo i have the monitor working now the board fortunately is completely is completely uh running you know fully up and running uh i've got to rebuild the uh the the joystick for that one i've got to source either a uh, an original or a, a scan to get the artwork reproduced for the um uh um the sort of combination bezel glass one piece of glass that they use on the irish uh kangaroo cabs uh mike from mike's amateur arcade monitor repair says the plastic guide in the cr24 pulls uh uh right off and you can clip wires to the pins quite easily uh i think yeah, liam tried that but his has been right glued off. on and yeah, uh given what happened to charlie's pango i am very much unwilling to try yanking on a 6100 those do not grow on trees I can I cannot say I blame them. I think though, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Kay. You've got an entire field of color vector monitors just sitting out there baking in the West Texas sun. I have an entire field of color vector games that are lacking monitors. Well, that's a different story. So yeah, why don't you tell us what you've been working on in addition to the cyclone? What's been going on in your workshop? So um, 
a lot of the repairs and stuff I've done lately, I didn't bother to make videos of because they were just kind of repeats, just building multicades and stuff like that. Um, but uh, I, I haven't filmed a whole lot of content lately, but what I'm working on next is uh, I've got a pair of uh, Fast and Furious assists. Uh, one of them uh, is lacking a monitor and they both have computer problems. So I got to repair those for a client. I've also got a silent scope EX that uh, monitor chassis needs to be rebuilt and the uh, flyback replaced. Um, I, I use that monitor to test uh, a K7500 from a different cabinet. And so I know the tube works. I know the game works and everything. I just need to rebuild this monitor. It'll go back to its home. And I've also got a dual versus cabinet that uh, I've got a client that wants so I, I haven't done anything to it. I know it, it'll power on. The monitors come on, but they don't show anything. Uh, it could just be a power supply thing. could be a board thing. I don't know. I haven't done anything with them. But you can see the, uh, the monitors are firing on. They just don't have anything to show. So once I've gone through that, it, sh it should make a, a nice little decent cabinet for this data to put into his arcade. So, uh, I mean, there's dozens of other projects other than that, but I think those are the next three that I'm going to get to. Very cool. Yeah, and uh, uh, Stringer Films is saying he's only got a 22, 23, and 25, so we'll have to figure uh, figure something out. Uh, um, but yeah, lots of lots of love for uh, Andrew B. in the live chat. I think uh, 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 probably more than half of all Tempests that are alive today have uh, uh, have in some way to thank uh, Andrew B. either, even if it's just for his guide on the 6100 monitor. But uh, um, uh, yeah, and so, uh, Leon, I think I maybe skipped past, like, what was... What ended up being the problem with the the blue? Because we wanted to rejuve it, thinking that would be the issue. Uh, that still might be the issue. The blue is currently maxed out on drive and bias, and it just barely looks close to the other colors. What I ended up doing was turning down red and green and cranking the brightness on the monitor until they all looked relatively similar. And you but don't have like still uh... maxed out. You don't have. They're not called. I don't think they're called retrace lines on on. Uh, vectors but like you know when the when they it will scans, show up if i turn yeah. the brightness one more millimeter <laughs> if i leave it right where it is there are no retrace lines uh but if i if i just let twitch it it'll uh they'll, they'll show up so i think it's it's perfectly dialed in and now i'm not touching it again it's staying right where it is cool cool and uh um jeremiah other than uh uh gumball machines and uh that you know, pernicious uh, Ms. Pack. What else has been cooking uh, in your workshop? Nothing really. I've been uh, mostly focused on whenever I have time for working on the stuff, just the Pac-Man and the gumballs. The gumballs are a lot easier because there's no traces or anything. It's just cleaning it and putting it back together, making sure gears aren't grinding too bad. Um, so, yeah, just, just Pac-Man and gumball machines for, for the time being. I don't know if if the uh, the 100-year-old claw machine was working by our last episode, I, was, I think I was still waiting on the motor to come in for that, but uh, that's come in, and now the uh, 100-year-old claw machine that Charlie helped me get that we met up to to swap for, that is fully working now, and there will be Spoiler an episode alert. on that in six to eight months. And that'll be what? That'll be season three of uh, Coin Op Corner? Well, hopefully it'll be the end of season one, and season two will come whenever, you know. Whenever I, I, I get into all this crap again, which you guys have been uh, tempting me to do. Yep. Hey, everyone Everyone loves it, right? Like, you got fans locally. You got fans all around the world. Everyone wants more of Jeremiah Jackson and, and Coin Op Corner. 
Uh, but Tell, speaking if you of love me so much, if you love me so much, buy merch and then I'll come back. Hey, I got this right here and I got I got my mug. Uh, I haven't used it for coffee yet. I'm almost I, I don't want to. It's a Gen 1, you know, original run of the uh, the Coin Out Corner mugs. And uh, I'm not sure I want to preserve yeah. it. What you got to get is one of these little nifty metal cups and put all your quarters in it. So all kinds of all kinds of merch. I see we got uh, we were able to convince Kay to put on one of his prime arcade shirts. There you go. Uh, uh, very cool. So yeah, Kay. And sp uh, speaking of what's what's coming, you know, what are what are kind of the the next couple of videos you have in mind? What what projects are in the queue? Any parts? Any things you're looking for? Looking to track down that our our massive audience of twenty thousand uh, uh, live stream viewers right now might be able to help with. I don't think there's anything specific I'm looking for for any of my upcoming projects. Um, I'm sure I'll realize how wrong this statement is when I start to get into them and, you know, I'm missing a whole bunch of parts or there's just a bunch of defects, but for the most part, there's, there's not anything I'm looking for that I can't just get from, you know, arcade shop or anything like that. No, nothing too, uh, nothing too niche. Okay. Uh, Liam, how about you? You launched the, the gauntlet video today. But uh, what else is what else is coming soon, and and what parts are you looking for? Uh, let's see. I still have some parts for things that are in the uh, in the workshop over there. I need those monitor brackets for uh, Millipede. We're probably going to just make those ourselves. Sam will make those. Um, she's talked about just building them. So if you could get us some dimensions of them, that would be uh, much appreciated. The we need the uh, back panels for Lunar Lander control panel, the, the light PCB and the wooden retaining panel that goes underneath it. Um, I need art for Smash TV, but I can get that from Zazbo. So that's just about it, really. Well, and you've got what, I, I saw a bunch of your projects going on. I don't know, do you want to talk about any of those? Yeah, so the current projects, I think I've talked about them previously. We have an asteroids in the back room that is going to become a Lunar Lander. Um, I, we, we managed to find an original lunar lander control panel in a junkyard and we've mostly restored it. It's just missing the light PCB and the wooden retaining bracket, as I said, but it had the thruster, um, and the thruster cleaned up really nicely. So we're hoping to either put in a, uh, asteroid with a multi-lunar lander on it or find an original lunar lander PCB and put it in that cabinet. And that'll just go in the lineup next to our asteroids deluxe. Because we also have a uh, asteroids cocktail, so lots of asteroids going around. We don't need a uh, dedicated asteroids upright. We also have the uh, Smash TV in there. Uh, that is one step closer to completion, thanks to Dell and Charlie for carting us over another twenty-five inch monitor that will hopefully be easier than that horrible Cortec. I was just the mule. I was just the <laughs> mule. Well, thank you so much to to Dell for uh, sending it our way. We have, uh, we have all the joysticks for Smash TV. We have a panel on order. So all we need now for it, assuming everything else works, is I need to stop being lazy and burn some ROMs and also uh, get the front bezel and the CPO. Very cool. And that, that Millipede cocktail... Uh. <laughs> right that uh that looked that looks like it's been um i don't know sitting in a preserved in a bog for you know a couple of it, decades. it took a few it, it took a few rounds in the dunk tank uh yeah and and i can confirm i i've seen it with my own eyes there's a part of that cabinet that's swollen almost 200 percent 
of its of its original width. I think it's salvageable. The most important I think it parts is. of the cabinet are there. The yeah. art is flawless. The uh, the trackballs are there. They're a bit gummed up, but we have a bearing rebuild kit for both trackballs. And the EMI cage and the harness and the power supply are all there. And thanks to Gleek, we picked up a uh, RFI shield PCB. The one and only. The one and only. So in theory, aside from those pesky monitor brackets, I have a spare 13-inch uh, K7000 monitor that we're going to stick in there. We have uh, all the parts we need to, uh, to really do that project. We just need some cabinet work in those brackets. Awesome. Yeah, and, and, and it, for me, you know, the active projects that I've got going on right now, the Missile Command cocktail that I actually made some, did some work on today, brought that over to Liam, and we put it on the FPGA cap box. And uh, what did it, uh, I wrote, I'm check my notes. Uh, the Missile Command had two bad ROMs, uh, and one RAM is bad too, at least, or that, at least that's the, uh, the indication could be sockets, of course. Missile Command is famous for having bad sockets. Uh, I've got the golden T99 that I need to do something with. I need to fix the monitor and, and uh, the board too. Uh, Troy from Troy's Restorations, uh, thank you, thank you for uh, sending me a bunch of extra uh, golden T. And I think there's at least one bowling PCB in this huge box of PCBs that he just sent me. Uh, again, they were pr he probably considered them junk that it was in his way, but I really appreciate that. Uh, I've got the, the Moon Patrol. That was a PCB that I brought that we weren't able to, to get to today. Uh, the two Qbert cabs, I have been working on the Qbert, like I mentioned, the uh, the transformer assembly and the power supply. Uh, I've got, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more pickup videos uh, to do that I won't talk about just yet. Um, I've got the uh, the Pango, that uh, next step on Pango, I've got to uh, fill in the, the extra holes that were drilled into the, the metal control panel when it was converted to Time Soldiers. Oh, what else is going on? Um, uh, and the dig dug, of course. You know, the next step there, I'm going to uh, get everything sorted out with the power and leave it as a do run run for a little bit. I'll play that while I uh, collect more uh, things that I need to bring it back to a back to a uh, a, a dig dug. And um, yeah, uh, uh, seven more cabinets that haven't been uh, revealed just yet, including two that uh, Jeremiah alluded to earlier when we met uh, down at Creamy Corner. And uh, I gave him a claw machine and he gave me two empty cabinets, both of which, well, at least one I'm really excited about. One, I'll have to figure out something uh, to do. But uh, yeah, and in terms of parts that I need, uh, the biggest thing I'm looking for, I mentioned already, is the the, the Irish kangaroo bezel slash marquee glass. Again, either happy to buy an original or I'll pay someone to scan an original to get it reproduced. Uh, Ollie from Arcade Art Shop in the UK, he already does the Irish bezels for Gravatar and for Dig Dug. It's the same dimensions and everything. We just need a high-res uh, 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 artwork file for that. So so please reach out to me on any platform uh, to help me, uh, uh, if you've got a way to help me with that. Uh, I need a vent grill for a uh, Qbert that goes on sort of the back, the vent. Um, uh, and I need things for projects that I haven't announced yet. So I don't want to spoil, uh, spoil anything, anything there. So, uh, yeah, I think with that, just uh, sort of keeping an eye on the, the live chat here, it's going, going pretty great. I really appreciate everyone's uh, participation there. And, um, uh, Stringer film says huge shout out to Mike Samish arcade monitor repair for dropping a video today on, um, uh, it turns out the the K seven thousand neck boards are uh, backwards compatible, I guess, between the the nineteen and uh, twenty five inch 
versions. But uh, I think that the big thing with 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 uh, Mike there is that he's been testing a reproduction K7000 neckboard that Peter from Arcade Parts and Repair will be uh, bringing out soon. So, um, yeah, Bobby Broadway, thanks for joining. Awesome, awesome. Everybody's here. Really appreciate it. And uh, with that, I think... I think we can probably segue into the main uh, topic of discussion. This is something, yeah. I let's uh, let's hop on like a, a FaceTime or something, uh, Cam. If you want to see my spreadsheet, I do have my spreadsheet open here that I am referring to uh, everything. It's got everything down to serial numbers and monitor models in each of these cabinets. So for the uh, the main topic of the episode, this is something that uh, Jeremiah and Kay and, and Liam and I have been talking quite a bit behind the scenes. Um, just sort of you know our our stands and all this stuff, but basically. You know, um, you know where, and everyone's got a, a different line, right? But where do you draw the line on originality, on, on being a purist versus being a pragmatist? You know, um, between you know when we're working on these machines, and it's not just it's not just arcade video games, right? It's also pinball machines. It's also redemption games. It, it's it's almost anything, and almost this is probably applicable to lots of different hobbies too. You know, where do you draw the line when it comes to, you know, sourcing artwork and parts like harnesses and controls, uh, power supplies, you know, monitors, PCBs, cabinets, sort of the, the whole way through, you know, lots of things have been going on right between, you know, reproduction, you know, cabinets, even just the shell, right? Like there's some folks that make really, really great ones. Like, for example, Fetish Boy makes incredible, uh, um, you know, reproduction cabaret cabinets and then puts all original guts on the inside. And obviously things like home arcades, like Arcade 1-Up and that sort of stuff. Uh, there was something recently with the uh, the Unico LCD that everyone was kind of, you know, hyped up for. A lot of the reviews so far have been less than flattering, kind of not living up to expectations, potentially not living up to the sort of uh, advertised specifications, which is, yeah, so who knows what's going on with those with those LCD monitors but uh, you know, there's there's also great you know reproduction stuff out there between you know Charles Klein makes awesome harnesses, um, you know uh, places like you know Phoenix Arcade and others make some great you know reproduction artwork. And even just today, you know Liam's video with the with the gauntlet, you know Liam Liam you know dropped a, a not insignificant check you know a, a amount of money to you know buy these. Um, you know he wanted the 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 real deal Atari logo uh, joysticks, right? In theory, you could have just used almost anything in there. You know, I think they're leaf switch, you know, joysticks, right? But if you wanted the the authenticity of the real thing, yeah. right? Same thing for me with the uh, 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 the optical joysticks on my bizarre uh, uh, Joust. So I know everyone's going to have a different a different opinion on this on where where you draw the line. But um, you know, Liam, I don't I don't know if you want to go first and sort of say, you know, what kind of you know big picture, what kind of approach do you take to yeah, when when to go with you know a, you know keep it hundred percent original versus you know you're happy with a, a reproduction maybe. There's an axis of this that's restoration quality desired. This is something that Sam and I have talked about a lot as we've gone through our various projects, is um, especially with ones that we've gotten sort of out of the dump. Is, is how good do we need this to look before it's quote unquote done. Like take, for example, our Tron, uh, we got it missing a lot of pieces. It came out of the snow. The cabinet was sort of destroyed, but we ultimately replaced the bare minimum that we could with reproduction parts in order to bring it back to a uh, salvageable state. We left the side art. We left all the uh, major components. The only artwork we replaced was the marquee and the, uh, the back 
uh, translite that sits behind the uh, the, be the the bezel shroud. But in other cases, like our uh, our joust, the side art was destroyed. It was not recoverable. I mean, you could still see that it was a joust, but we ended up stripping it down and we completely redid the cabinet. The only artwork original to that specific cabinet left is the bezel. We had a new uh, marquee, new CPO, completely re-stenciled the sides. And it has all new internals because it was an empty shell. But you sort of had to do make do with what you've got. You're not really going to find original CPOs lying around. So it seems like in the community that everyone agrees a reproduction CPO is okay if your CPO is destroyed. But that same attitude is not conveyed to parts like marquees or very much not PCBs, even though they're still technically just parts. So it is curious to speculate why. I have a JROC in Robotron. I don't like that I have a JROC in Robotron and I would like to replace it with uh, Robotron boards at some point. But for now, it's a serviceable solution. My four-year-old wasn't able to tell the difference. He was playing Robotron today on your Robotron, and he didn't complain about input lag or, or anything like that. Well, that's the point, right? It's an FPGA. That's also part of the, the, the sort of scales of difference. If you put Robotron on a 60-in-1 and tried to play it, you'd probably notice something, but not with an FPGA. The only way to tell, really, for me is sound just because it doesn't have quite the same amplification quality that uh, the Robotron PCBs would. So, so what do you, what do you think that dividing line is, right? You know, like, like I, I liked how you phrased it earlier and I don't know if it was, if it was you or Sam that came up with the, the sort of, you know, restoration quality, you know, reproduction, right? Cause there's also, there's also lots of different, you know, levels of, of quality, right? You can get, you know, relatively, you know, cheap, like inkjet artwork all the way to, you know, a screen printed from the original screens. You know, some of the, the reproduction art shops have purchased from, you know, from like I the Atari estate or something like that. Some of it, I think a lot of that discussion really was with Sam. I mean, when you, when you, there's, a, there's the discussion of patina, right? If you're going to completely restore an arcade game, and I, I say restore sort of in, in the loose sense, if you're going to transform a machine into something that resembles what it may have looked like from the factory, you are losing something. It may not be something of value to you, but the patina of a game tells a story. Um, you, you, can, you can sort of see some events that may have happened in its, its history. And if you're removing that, you're not only removing the original um, artwork and repainting something that looks similar, but is new, you are removing that story. And that was something that we, we sort of wrestled with because we like to have the machine tell that story. And if you are going to replace, you obviously want to do it with whatever the best thing that you can get is because you basically, you have the potential to make it worse. It's not like you can just, it's a guaranteed if you replace something, it's going to make the cabinet better. You do have the potential to make something irreparably worse because anytime you do do a replacement like that, you lose something, especially if you're stripping artwork like the, the side art or the, the uh, control panel overlay or something like that. Is that like the, it's only original once versus upgrades? Yes, it's only original once. Uh, 
So most of our machines are as original as we could do with what we had. Well, and, 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 you know, uh, I, I think part, like you were saying, like there's a, the community seems to be much more accepting of reproduction CPOs, let's say than than marquees. Right. And I, I wonder if there's a, part of it has to do with things that are designed to be worn out and replaced eventually. Right. Like, like CPOs, right? They're going to get worn. Willis People are going existed. To their... Willis exactly, the right? They, they specialized in CPOs, but there weren't like like marquees aren't aren't designed to be worn out, right? Like yeah, they can burn up, you know, depending on you know heat or whatever from the from the light. But I don't think there were, you know, contemporaneous. You know, you could get a replacement marquee like if it was smashed or something. Uh, but there, I don't think Willis like made you know marquees or or that sort of thing so, so maybe like cpos they made side art but not as many but it was mostly yeah. cpos and 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 i wonder if it's like you know in the the car or motorcycle restoration hobby if you know things like hey like you buy you know you go to buy let's say like a, a classic right like you don't expect it to have the original brake pads from you know 1957 right because those things are or, or probably even the tires right those Hopefully are meant to you'll have are, the oil changed You'll have the oil change, right? But like, you know, the steering wheel might wear out, right? Like the, the grip on it might wear. Um, and, but if you replaced it, you'd pr like, if, like if, if somebody was selling you a, you know, uh, a, a mint, you know, car from, you know, whatever, you know, muscle car, 50s, 60s, you know, whatever. And if it had a, you know, a steering wheel from, you know, AutoZone, right? You'd feel like it was, it was not quite, you know, what it was uh originally right but like you expect it to have you know uh brake pads and whatever type things replaced right um uh okay i think you know given given the sort of business that that you're in you might have a, a slightly uh a different perspective so once you uh, lay it on us so i don't tend to do a whole lot of full restorations um i don't really advertise machines as being fully restored um whenever i come across artwork and things like that that are just janky uh yeah i do not shy away from using reproduction cpos side art bezels marquees stuff like that uh if the end result looks better than the previous one then that's certainly something i'm going to do um i will tell you that doing this from a business standpoint the majority of customers don't know the difference between original and reproduction in the first place and don't care uh, if it's pretty then it's better than not being pretty um so that's uh that's usually my guideline is if, if it will be improved uh, by doing, uh, by doing some reproduction stuff, then I'll do the reproduction stuff. I don't shy away from it. Well, and, and I'm, I'm really curious on that point too, right? Like how, how much of a difference does it have to be for it to, for it to make sense? Right? Like um, uh, uh, if the, if you have an original and it's uh, let's say in B condition, right? Would that be worth replacing to get a reproduction that's in, you know, A plus condition? Like, how far does that delta have to be? It it just depends on each individual component. So, like, if the CPO just usually, say, just a centipede, for example, almost every centipede I've ever picked up has a huge piece of the CPO missing right around the trackball, just because it's yep. all been worn away. Um, yep. Maybe the rest of the the CPO is in decent shape, but right around the trackball is just worn to just bare metal. Um, I, I will replace that just because it's going to look so much better to have a replacement on there. And as long as you do it right, you know, not only are most people not going to know the difference, but most people aren't going to care 
if you show the before and after, they'll definitely prefer the after. Uh, side art, if it just has like some scratches and stuff in it, or maybe like some discoloration or whatever, I'll probably leave it. But if there's chunks missing out of it, if it's only half of side art, the rest of it's just been ripped off. Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and replace it with something new. You know, it's it just like I don't if I replace one component, I don't have to replace all of it. You know, mm-hmm. I can just replace the marquee. I can just replace the CPO and I can leave the rest as is. It's just whatever looks so bad. It just I can't leave it that way. I'll, I'll replace, but I don't have to do an entire machine. Stringer Films uh, dropped another two hundred million dollars super chat donation to add that he refuses to purchase cabs without original fuses, which is kind of funny because I was working on the the Qbert uh, uh, transformer assembly. And I'm always tempted to leave original fuses in there. I figure they've earned their right to stay or right? they've been doing a great job. Uh, but usually if I have the correct fuses on hand, I'll, I'll replace them uh, with, you know, fresh ones just cause I feel like, you know, I don't know, it's uh, maybe bad luck to, to leave the fuses in there, but then I wouldn't be able to have awesome experiences like Jeremiah has that leads to these uh, t-shirt designs but um, yeah, thank you, thank you again, Stringer, for that. Really, really appreciate it. And, and Kay, just to, to continue this, I'm 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 curious, like how often, you know, when you're you're talking to a customer, you're talking to a client, right, and they're kind of telling you what they want, what they're looking for, you know, whatever. How often do you know? Does the average uh, customer bring up, you know, do they sort of like say, hey, I want it to be original, or I want it to look mint, or what? What is that conversation? How does that typically go? Uh, usually if someone is seeking a specific game, they just want an original dedicated cabinet. And it usually doesn't mean like all the components still have to be original. They basically want an original cabinet that works. And so whatever I've got to do to it to get it to that point, they're usually okay with. And if it's something that I'm re- you know, restoring specifically for a certain customer who's already paid a deposit and is looking for this you know, certain machine, you know, I'll basically ask permission like, hey, this is what this part looks like this is what a reproduction looks like. Do you want me to make the swap? And the answer is almost universally. Yes. Very rarely like, no, even though it's only halfway there, I still want it that way. No, they, they want it to look nice. So uh, internals are different, but we'll get to that. But when it comes to the external artwork, they almost always would rather look better than the original. If the original just looks like trash. Mm. Okay. And, and frog puppet, frog puppet comes over the top with a $500 million super chat donation to say, uh, he has to have those original cigarette stains too. And like, to me, that's another sort of, you know, uh, what a, a mark that this is an original thing from the eighties, right? Like almost every control panel I have here, unless, unless the CPO has been replaced, has some sort of cigarette, you know, burn on the control panel from either just, you know, placing a lit cigarette there while you, you know, quickly die three times in, in Ms. Pac-Man or some games you could even like, you know, hold a cigarette between your fingers while, you know, playing the, playing the game. So frog puppet, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that super, uh, super generous, uh, donation. Um, yeah. yeah and, and when it comes to, uh, when it comes to cigarette stains and especially tax stamps, mm. I, I try to leave those just because like, you know, like Liam said earlier, they tell a story. Uh, unless the cigarette stains are like in a certain pattern that spell FU or something like that, I'll, I'll probably leave them. Or if they've actually like burned into the uh, the Lexan and just left a whole bunch of dimples everywhere, I'll, I'll probably end up replacing that. But when it comes to tax stamps, even if I'm like repainting a cab, I'll, I'll paint around them because I want to leave the tax yeah. stamps so you can see the history of the machine and where it's been, and, you know, who's well, played and, it. And speaking of that, I noticed uh, on that gauntlet that's just over – uh, Liam's shoulder. There's a couple of tax stamps from Mississippi uh, uh, on that cabinet, which is kind of neat. Most of the ones that I see are like, 
West Virginia, South Carolina, that sort of thing. We picked uh, up that gauntlet actually in North Carolina. So it had made its way from an arcade in Mississippi to an arcade in North Carolina before it made it to uh, Bradford, Virginia, and then up here to Maryland. Very cool. Uh, Chance in the live chat from uh, the Canadian Arcade says, power cords are also a consumable. I agree too. I end up replacing most of the power cords uh, um, and almost all the time, the, the plug, right? So even if the power cord itself is in good shape, usually the, the plug is all messed up or the ground uh, prong has been cut. So I now buy uh, replacement power plugs uh, uh, by the case. Uh, and Mike from Mike's Amateur Arcade Monitor Repair says he, uh, nice pun there, I refuse to not replace fuses. Um, yeah, uh, 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 we got something big coming in the skyskipper, uh, uh, project with, uh, with chance, but, um, cool. And so, uh, uh, Jeremiah, right. Maybe you can add some sort of, you know, sanity to this, to this mix here, right. Do you fall more on the, the purist side or the pragmatist side or, or what's, how do you look at all this? Uh, it all depends on who the game is for and what the game is. So, I don't have any sort of reproduction um, game PCBs in any of my machines, but I am 100% down to throw a brand new switching power supply into anything, even if it's a power supply that works or that can easily be fixed. I know with the switching, I, I'm sort of future-proofing this, not only for myself, but for whoever inherits this machine when I inevitably die in a few years. You can just swap a new switcher right into that, and, and you're on your way. You don't have to sit there and troubleshoot everything. Um, artwork is a bit of a different matter. So uh, we've all mentioned uh, the distinctions between the control panels and like the side art or the marquees. Um, I think everything I've got right now has a uh, reproduction control panel on it because those get worn out and they get worn out in such a way that they start flaking and little bits come off on your hand every time you play it or it's getting worse and worse. Something like that, I'm willing to 100% replace it. And for most games, you've got a viable reproduction. The issue comes with stuff where you don't have a great reproduction or, like Charlie mentioned, no reproduction at all. Um, if you've got no reproduction at all, well, I mean, you're kind of up the creek without a paddle. Just deal with what you've got. But so, like, my Super Pac-Man, um, the uh, original glass bezel that it came with, the, the paint was flaking, and it was so bad that it wasn't something you could repaint and, and reseal. It, it needed to be replaced. The replacement that I got... Um, it's from a skate pod, so it's it's not exactly ideal. It's kind of pixelated, but it is what it is, and it's the best I can get, so I'm I'm content with it. My my main focus is to make the game itself run exactly like it did, because you know, we're talking about games that did have cigarette burns and things like that. It was never ideal except for the day it came out of the factory. So I'm not too concerned about preserving ideals. Um, along with that. We've also got things like updated ROMs that save high scores and things, or the ROMs don't save the high scores, but you, you know what I mean. Um, high score save kits and things like that. As long as the original game, as long as the game plays the way it did originally, I'm content with that. But that means that something like a 60 and 1, I'm not a big fan of. I, I did a, a 60 and 1 comparison on the Pac Man cocktail video, and I showed that there's some really big sound differences in some of those games. and for something where you're preserving antiquity like this, I, I would especially like the sound to be um, particularly the same way it was back in the day. Now, I'm not going to go so bad as to say that you can't replace the speaker wiring or something like that, but I do want something that's 95% the same in the gameplay. The aesthetics of the cabinet itself I'm willing to compromise on. But now we have, uh, I recently did the 100-year-old claw machine. 
the issue with that was that the uh, 120 volt motor um, AC motor was completely worn out and unusable. And the actual circuits of how that machine runs was built around the fact that that motor, when it loses power, does not immediately stop. It winds down, and it winds down long enough that uh, um, a wheel on this is able to hit another switch. Well, I replaced it with a 12-volt DC motor. That stops instantly as soon as power is cut. So I had to rewire the entire circuit on that thing um, to make it work with this. The end goal, the end uh, product, though, is that now this runs just like it did back in the day. There's nothing you don't have to hit another button to make it work or anything like that. But the internals are different. In in my opinion, the fact that it runs now sustainably with a motor you can get again, you can buy a new motor, new power supply, all that. It'll all be replaceable in the future. The fact that even though it's got replacement new parts and a different circuit, the fact that it still plays exactly like it did back in the day is what is most important to me. So that's that's my opinion on repros. I think that's pretty middle of the road, which the rest of us are sort of middle of the road on this as well. Yeah, and, and I think you and I are, are are pretty close on this this too. And uh, I, I think it's also captured um, uh, uh, again Jerry Voluptuous with super generous hundred ninety nine million dollar super chat donation, saying preserve if you can, repro if needed. And that's kind of the the mindset that I take, right? Like I'm I'm willing to except like i would say even a c quality uh, uh original uh, over a reproduction right and it's for you know my own you know my own home my own you know friends and family are the ones that are playing it um and so i'll i'll you know um you know live with you know little bits and pieces missing here here and there right if it's totally utterly completely trash right like you know sure get rid of it right like the the buttons on my uh, armor attack were really just all chewed up like somebody had you know been it looked like they had been picking at them with like a, a screwdriver or or something, right? Trying to damage them or or whatever. Um, but like I have, you know, my my um, uh, play choice control panel has a bunch of the, you know, on the bend, it's all you know messed up. I've got a repro uh, CPO that's just been sitting in a box because it just hasn't bothered me enough uh, uh, to replace it. Um, you know, often I found um, unless it's something rare you can often find an original piece for close to what a reproduction, you know, costs, right? So um, the Donkey Kong um, uh, marquee, I sourced separately from the, uh, the cabinet and that's in really good shape. I really didn't spend much on that. It's essentially the same as what a repro would have cost. Uh, the Joust marquee and bezel are both original that I sourced separately again from other collectors that had extras. Um, the armor attack marquee is really kind of in maybe C, C plus, uh, shape. Uh, I got that for next to nothing in a lot of, uh, of marquees actually from DJ DNS. Um, let's see, uh, I've got other, uh, marquees on the shelf over there waiting for projects like the, the Qbert over there I got from, uh, uh, eBay for again, essentially the same price as, as an original or as a, as a reproduction. And all of those are, you know, maybe B, B plus uh, uh, condition, but I do kind of value uh, the original as much as, as much as uh, possible, but absolutely there's limits, right? Like one of the things that I've been dealing with uh, recently has been, you know, I've been doing so many deconversions uh, that harnesses, you know, have become sort of uh, challenging to, uh, to uh, uh, come up with. And, you know, for common games, you can often find, you know, original harnesses, not too bad. I got uh, uh, a, a uh, 
I almost said it. Uh, probably uh, it might be easy to determine. It's, I think it's the only top ten game that I haven't announced yet that I that I own. Uh, I got one of those from uh, I might butcher his last name, but Jared Brissy on on uh, Facebook sold me uh, uh, at a great price. The um, or maybe I got it from him off of Club. I can't remember. Uh, a, a, a marquee or um, a harness at a great price. Uh, I've gotten you know reproduction harnesses before from Charles Klein and from Ken Falta from Golden Age Arcade Parts, um, but those get pricey, right? Like often you're you're paying quite a bit uh, for them. Uh, been you know was really running into issues getting a harness for uh, the Cuber and and maybe eventually two. Um, Cuber everything has been going through the roof uh, price wise. Uh, I think I saw a Cubert harness that I was bidding on went went for like three hundred and fifty dollars for the harness. Okay, crazy. Um, there is somebody on Clav, uh, the, the name escapes me, who repros Cubert uh, harnesses. But Cubert harnesses are difficult to reproduce because the colors of the wire are all bizarre, right? There's like triple stripe colors on them, right? They're almost all of them are white, but they have three stripes uh, of color uh, on them. Um, the uh, uh, and like the, a lot of the connectors are all like it was originally all IDC stuff, and so uh, uh, there are reproduction uh, harnesses to get for Cuba, but they're super expensive. I was and, and with that one, uh, you can't do what you can do sometimes, which is you know just get a JAMA PCB uh, uh, adapter and use a JAMA harness, right? So have an original uh, PCB, uh, get a JAMA uh, adapter for you know something between twenty and fifty bucks, depending on how complex it is. You know some of them need onboard amps and whatever type of stuff, um, and just use a JAMA harness, right? So that's a that's a reasonable compromise. You really can't do that for um, uh, for Cubert because of just how bizarre of a setup Cubert has. All the different voltages, like people have attempted to do, and it's just it's just a mess. So uh, I was fortunately able to find a. I haven't tested it yet, so but it looks okay. A a, a cheaper Cubert uh, harness originally. So like you know now that you know we maybe we can start talking about the the insides uh, too. As my headset dies again, um, you know uh, uh, for the stuff that's on the outside, you know you want it to be. Now it won't come back on. There we go. Um, you you know you want it to look as good as possible, but what do you do on the inside in terms of originality, right? Like, do you go you know bone stock original all the way, no matter the cost? You know, do you go the complete opposite end of the spectrum and put a sixty in one and a JAMA harness in there? You know, or, or all kinds of different things in between. There are awesome now you know FPGA based boards like uh, the J Rock. Uh, the Bit Kit and the Bit Kit keeps adding, you know, more and more games. It's been adding a bunch of horizontal games, including uh, MCR games. He's, uh, I think, the Tron is still kind of in beta as he's working out exactly how to support, you know, different types of of spinner encoders. Um, you know, or do you kind of do the like I was saying, original PCB but with a JAMA adapter, or do you just say, you know, full full and all the way, right? So. Um, you know, uh, you started to allude to this a little bit, Kay. What what do you typically do when it comes to the internals of the cabinet? So with most classic arcade machines, I will try to keep the internals as original as possible uh, just because whenever you use reproduction stuff, you can tell when you're trying to play the game, um, especially when it comes to monitors. You know, I, I will not put a flat screen um, in a Pac-Man. There's just, you can tell. You can absolutely tell, but I will put a flat screen in like, you know, a lot of nineties racers that have medium resolution monitors. So like a hydro thunder or cruising USA, if I can't find a, uh, a 25 inch monitor to, uh, 
to put in there or like if the original's you know necked or missing because a lot of times they're just straight up missing um i'll put a flat screen in there and it'll look relatively okay uh with games that go that are you know medium res or high resolution the transition into a flat screen isn't nearly as extreme as you know putting one in a, in a pac-man um PCBs and things like that, I try to keep the, the originals in there as best I can. But sometimes if it's a particularly rare game, you just can't find the parts you need or you just can't find a replacement or someone has done a poor conversion to it and everything's missing or, you know, harnesses, things like that. I'm, I'm not above putting in a jammer harness with an adapter to use an original board. I'll absolutely do that. Uh, the way I see it, unless you take off the back door and look inside and tell the difference, if you can play the game and, and, and not be able to tell the difference, then it's completely acceptable to make those changes. I will keep a CRT in there. I'll keep the original board in there if I can. But if the reproduction board is high enough quality that even the most dedicated, you know, purist can't tell the difference just by playing the game without seeing inside of it, I'll absolutely do that. Um. Uh, Liam, right? You mentioned earlier your Robotron has a J Rock, but you're looking forward to the day that you can uh, replace that with a with an original board set. What drives you to this level of madness? Sound for a Robotron in particular. I will admit I'll go above and beyond uh, to try to preserve the original internals, like Firefox behind uh, behind me. Sam spent a long time helping me and uh, she designed a, a new jig to help us put back together the laser player on Firefox, which is not reliable. And we could obviously uh, use a Dexter or something instead of uh, instead of it. But we, we spent a whole lot of time trying to, to fix not only that laser player, but the original monitor in there. For, for Robotron, we, we have the JROC, and obviously it's a, it's a tenable solution. I like to play Robotron. I want to play Robotron, and I can't find boards, so JROC was available. But the, the issue for me is I still can tell, and I can tell because of the sound. Um, the, the sound is a very important aspect to me when playing a classic game like this, and if a game doesn't have good sound, no matter how good the gameplay is, it sort of fails as a, a, a game in my eyes. And uh, so I don't know what games I would be happy to replace with a uh, with a alternate solution, not a not a J Rock or, or or an FPGA. I am actually struggling to think. Perhaps sort of '90s games, sort of like what what Kay said for the early '80s. Um, if I can find an original board set, that would be the way to go, um, in in my opinion especially for anything vector, although there are now more multi-vector uh, PCBs available. Uh, yeah, I think fighters, I don't, I don't necessarily care about. <laughs> so that would be, uh, that would be where I would draw the line. But I think that is partially because of not my pre preference, but prejudice against the genre that I would be willing to, uh, to stoop to that level. Well, and, and, I, and I wonder on that particular point, right, like fighters and some other genres are, are notorious for, especially at the, the competitive, competitive level, you know, like f you want frame perfect, you know, input, no lags, whatever. So I, I don't know if, um, if, if K, if you ever cater to audiences like that, you know, that maybe, you know, arcades or, or bars that host, you know, competitive fighting tournaments, 
do they does that sort of you know community tend to go original hardware original you know crts i know most of the competitive players will like have their own like controller uh setup right but you know what what are they actually running in terms of you know game hardware uh, most of the hardcore fighting enthusiasts um, don't care that much, but some of them do. Um, I know, like, uh, the Pandora's box in particular has, you know, all the Street Fighters and stuff like that. But one of the most popular Street Fighters is Third Strike. And there's a huge competitive uh, group for that. And the Third Strike that you can play on Pandora's box is not great. There's, there's a lot of lag. There's some frame skipping. Uh, even the music doesn't – it kind of sounds – like it's lagging a little bit, it's just a little bit stuttered. And so I like Third Strike. I'm not a competitive fighting game by any means. Uh, I like Third Strike, and I'll play Third Strike on my multicade that runs a Pandora's box and enjoy it just fine, but I can tell the difference. And I assume that if I were trying to you know, enter a tournament and try to win some money, those differences would really bother me. So I, I think that um, if it's uh, something that you were purchasing for an actual like tournament use, you would absolutely have to have original hardware in it. Uh, you know, get your CRT, get your CPS three board, playing whatever you want. Spend your fifteen hundred dollars trying to get everything original and uh, enjoy your game. But for my average customer, they just want something that plays Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, and they're happy. For the love of God, if you're restoring a Donkey Kong, use a black joystick. <laughs> well, I, I was going to save that for a little bit later, but we can. You know, there's there's a, a reason that there are separate world record uh, tables for, you know, original hardware versus MAME. And then, you know, for those original hardware uh, uh, records, how original does it need to be, right? Um, you know, does, do the buttons matter, right? Do those, you know, yeah, if you want to talk about, you know, four-way versus eight-way joystick, I totally, totally get that. But, you know, does the joystick need to be, what if it's been worn in a way, right, that has, sort of over time made it a uh, uh, an eight-way joystick just from from you know repetitive strenuous uh, use does it need to have been you know lubricated with the correct you know Shin Etzo whatever lubricant you know Japanese bearing lubricant that you know Nintendo called for does it need to have the original weight springs in the buttons or are you know weaker springs okay how far how far does this madness go and you know Jeremiah, uh, uh, for, for your sort of, you know, current, you know, conundrum, um, somebody once told me that pride cometh before the fall, right? You've been beating your head against a wall uh, um, and hopefully not, you know, throwing Molly around uh, trying to get these these uh, pack boards working. Right. And, you know, I don't think anyone has suggested that you, you know, throw a 60 in one in there. But I have offered because I have because of a project I haven't you know announced yet. I have a spare, what I believe to be working original Bally Midway Miss Pac-Man board set that I have offered, you know, to send you. Uh, I would probably just, you know, like, you know, for, for free with shipping, right? Um, but you are are stubbornly insisting on, you know, it will be a huge, you know, uh, uh, ding, you know you'll, you'll view it as a huge stain on your character if you're not able to get this uh, 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 original board working the board that originally came with your cabinet. So what what drives you to uh, to go to those lengths? Well, my character has far more stains than any Pac-Man board will do to it. So let's just get that out of the way. Are they um, are they cigarette yeah, stains? Yeah, well, cigar stains. I have a little more class than cigarettes. Anyways, um, yeah, that's that's because I I cannot conscience the idea of releasing the part two of the epic Pac-Man restoration saga. And, and disappoint our beloved Cameron McCaslin. 
I, I, this has become the thing where like, if I can't fix this, this hopefully being my last PCB I repair, we know that's not going to be. If I can't fix this, I've failed to, to, to excel in this hobby. So that's, that's why I'm fixing that. As far as like hardware reproductions, I've got the house of the dead there. Um, That's a really complicated board. As far as I know, there's only one guy out there right now who could fix that if something goes wrong. So if that if that goes down and I spend a Saturday Is that the I fix Sega guy? Exactly, exactly. Um, if that goes down and I spend a Saturday and I can't fix it, FPGA is going in that thing. I I love the antiquity of this stuff, but I have a limited amount of time and money on Earth, and I don't want to waste five times the time and money to get the same result or 95% of the same result. So... Yeah, I, I'm willing to go with repro hardware if the difference in cost and time is that massive. But it is a an emotional thing to to make that call. Like I don't mean emotional in the sense that I'm crying, but you kinda you kinda feel like, is it worth it to me? If this was like a game that my grandpa owned and and he always loved playing on these ROMs and this board, I'd probably put more <laughs> effort into it. But with 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 some crap that I found in a dumpster, I'm willing to throw something else in there if I'm looking at like 500 or a thousand dollars to fix it otherwise you make a great point also regarding like an emotional connection and what would drive you to to do uh to make a game um joust (laughs) it's intensely a uh, it was a personal uh, journey because um joust uh was my dad's favorite game that he played with his uh his brother and um, my dad passed away a few years ago, actually to the day. Um, and the Joust was it was the only game he, he talked about. So we went above and beyond trying to to restore this thing, and we wanted to put a little nameplate on it to be like in memory of you know, my dad's name. But we ended up putting that on the the attract screen because uh, Joust offers that setting. So instead of presented by Williams Electronics, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, it was just we we spent so much time. I spent almost a month, more than a month, stenciling that cabinet and trying to make sure that everything looked as nice as possible from basically an empty shell. And uh, would I have done that if I didn't have the the connection to the game through him that uh, it meant enough to, to do that? I don't know. I don't know. And and it's it's incredible that that's for you. That's coming from a place of love and something very you know special and important to you, and not just a you know hypothetical cover for your you know stubbornness. Uh, like with with Jeremiah and like you know instead of uh, like with uh, Major Havoc, they had the updated ROMs that they called the uh, the promised and you know the final part of the uh, the Mizpac saga for Jeremiah's uh, channel could be titled the Bitter End. Uh, he finally, you know, uh, um, like Moby Dick, right? He finally uh, bested the the white whale that he's uh, fighting with. Oh, and yo, Eddie, thanks for joining. I actually have two questions I wrote down that you asked uh, that we uh, we need to uh, uh, answer. But uh, so we have to come back and watch the the rest later. Uh, and and also, I want to thank again uh, Stringer Films for another two hundred million dollars super chat donation uh, to troll us with a comment uh, saying that uh, he puts stock arcade one up joysticks in all of his cabs. 
And it's funny that Stringer Film says this because a lot of it actually goes in the opposite direction, right? You start to see now, you know, people modifying arcade one-ups and putting, you know, in some cases, uh, restoration quality reproduction, uh, uh, like original stuff in them, right? Like, um, you know, much better Star Wars uh, uh, flight yokes, uh, Tempest spinners, uh, that sort of thing. And that actually triggered a little bit of uh, a back and forth in the live chat um you know people you know uh uh modding out their uh their one-ups um uh, uh you know chance uh from the canadian arcade saying the worst is quote-unquote upgrading one-ups like putting lipstick on a pig and, and that's something that's been very interesting you know to me right and and i've got nothing uh, against arcade one-ups right just like i've got nothing against console games and console collecting and, and that sort of thing i have plenty of console games as you can see here i love my play choice 10 which kind of bridges that divide and you know i will admit that i own three uh, uh arcade one-up cabs uh they are not in this room they don't belong here they're in my my kids uh, uh playroom uh one of them i got for free with uh, airline miles uh when nobody was flying uh during covid but you know I, I certainly have no issue with them what i think is and i i've actually been on some arcade one-up um um uh podcasts and 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 videos you know i'm friendly with like Retro Ralph and She Lion, who you know, a lot of them do both. Uh, our our own, you know, friend of the 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 podcast, Cameron McCaslin. You know, he's got a number of arcade one ups, and uh, I think he might have to form an LLC soon because he, he says he keeps buying one ups for a hundred bucks and selling them for over three hundred. So I've got I've got nothing you know with that, and I, and I see those as a good you know, like one of the, the reasons I like engaging with that community is uh, part of a uh, you know. Uh, evangelizing the true religion of coin-op games, right? And as I see that as almost like a, a gateway to, you know, you're not sure you want to jump in with two feet and, and you know, buy a full-size machine and have to get into the maintenance of it. Just like if you, you know, if you want a classic motorcycle, you better you better know how to repair a classic motorcycle or be willing to pay a ton of money to somebody else uh, uh, to keep it up and running. Um, so I've got no, no issues with, with any of that. But one thing that really just confuses me and not in a you know negative way right i'm just really confused by you know a lot of the um you know the rationale that that people uh um you know provide as the reason that they they go with a a one-up instead of a, an original full-size machine is um the size and the cost and the maintenance and and all that kind of stuff but then often the people that are saying that have a room full of a dozen arcade one-ups that have been modded to kingdom come and maybe have, you know, they've put a thousand dollars of, of work into each of them. Often that and requires, the you know, like the old arcades too. And they got the black lights yeah. and everything. It's like completely right. the contrast so like they, with McDonald's arcades that they have. Yeah. So it's like in the, in the space that you've got maybe a dozen arcade one-ups, you could probably fit at least half a dozen, you know, full-size cabinets. Right. All of the all of the money that you've sunk into them with with upgrades and mods and whatever you're now you know and to me like I'm gonna do an episode I keep promising on like how I find amazing deals I spend less on my coin ops than I would if I was buying um, arcade one ups right like you, you know it's not as available you can't just walk into a Walmart and buy them you've got to be more active in your in your searching and 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 negotiating and all that kind of stuff but. Um, and, and then like even on the on the maintenance side, I, I totally get that too. these things, you know, do require, you know, care and love and feeding in order to, to keep them running. 
Um, but a lot of that is not, you know, super, super advanced stuff, right? We're not necessarily talking about like vector repair or PCB repair, but like, you know, oh, you know, the, 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 you know, wire on this going to this joystick broken, you know, so like a lot of these mods on the, 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 the arcade one upside involve, you know, soldering and reading schematics and doing that sort of thing. So it's just, it's so, it's almost like maybe that was the initial sort of, uh, entry point for them to get into, you know, home arcades because of those things. But they ended up kind of coming full circle, getting a whole room full of these things. And then they're like, I went through basically, you know, they went through basically the same amount of trouble and cost and, and space and everything where they could have just gone with, um, you know, coin up. And maybe it was just too intimidating at first to get into that. And I can totally understand that arcade one ups are a lot less intimidating from like an upfront you know, commitment uh, uh, that you're making. And like Stringer Films here says that one-ups got him into full size. And, and I've heard that from quite a, quite a lot of folks uh, too. So I think that's a pretty common, a pretty common uh, uh, experience. Uh, Kay, have you ever had any customers asking you about one-ups or people trying to sell you one-ups or, or anything like that? I constantly have people trying to sell me one-ups and asking if I repair them. And I don't, um, I probably could, but I have a nine-month backlog on actual arcade machines as it is. I don't need to add one-ups to that lineup. Maybe in um, 20 years. Yes. Yeah, in 20 years, whenever those things have just deteriorated into piles of dust, then you can go ahead and bring them to me. Um, but I'll, half the time, someone will message my page and be like, hey, I have an arcade machine I'd like to sell. I'm like, okay, send me pictures. And they send pictures, and that's a one-up. I'm like, no, I don't deal in those. Well, the, the what, only, do you, uh, what do you say? Like, how do you explain it to someone that doesn't know the difference? I say, I don't deal in one-ups. That's all I tell them. And they usually figure it out from there. Um, the only beef I have with one-ups is that people try to sell them to me and they clog up my uh, my search histories. Because I'll, I'll be looking for actual arcade machines and on Craigslist and, and Facebook Marketplace. And then, you know, just a bunch of one-ups pop up and they try to tell me, oh, it's an arcade machine. No, it's not. But nice try. And, and um, you know, I think all of us, you know, surprisingly, or we've talked about this before, that all of us are, I think, you know, uh, below the median in terms of age of people who are in this hobby, right? Like, you know, we've all got channels, we can look at the demographics, and, and most of my viewers are a little bit, you know, uh, older than me. I'm the oldest, I think, of the bunch at, at 41. Um, and for, I think, uh, um, Jeremiah and and... Uh, Liam are the two youngest of the bunch in your sort of interaction with, you know, uh, uh, folks of your age, right? Like in their twenties and thirties, right? Like what's their perception, right? Do, do they see the sort of difference between, you know, arcade one-ups and, and the original, you know, real deal, you know, having not, you know, grown up in the, in the eighties, maybe they caught some of the, you know, nineties kind of arcade stuff. Do they know the difference? Do they care about the difference? What's that mindset like? Yeah. What's a child's uh, opinion? as the resident child of this group i think i can speak on this so the only people i know who are my age that even you know care about these things at all care about it because i'm into it and they watch the show the coin up corner and i've got a particular friend uh, joey if he's watching he's not watching he does airbnbs and he's talked to me about, about putting one of these in an airbnb and after talking through it i ended up recommending like just put an arcade one up in there because for the, the intention that you have just to have something fun in this space, that's going to be your cheapest and most reliable bet, at least for the short term. Um, most of the people who have any passing interest in this, they're going to be completely satisfied by a one-up or a 60-in-1 or anything like that. Like they, they don't care the way we do about preserving the antiquity unless there's some kind of weirdo like we are. 
Yeah, it's a similar story. All of our friends, um, I don't know if they've played one-ups in the past, but uh, if you come here and play these games, you're subject to a healthy dose of coin-op uh, evangelism uh, going on in, in this arcade. So I don't, I've never heard any of my friends talk about one-ups or how this plays just like a one-up, or I don't even know if they've played them. So they do well, seem to appreciate the machines that are here when they come and visit them. Um, but you, you do like you, you, you were even talking about how you, you know, you and Sam recently hosted a, an arcade party at your new place and you had a bunch of coworkers, you know, come over yeah. when, when they come over, do any of them express an interest of, Hey, I, I wonder if I could get, you know, one of these for my house or I've seen, uh, I've seen this in, in Walmart. Maybe I should get one. No. Um, well, at least not in the, the, the sense of, uh, I've seen one at Walmart. Um, several have asked me now to bring the asteroids cocktail to work and and just keep it in the lab because um, uh, they really like the the vector display and the phosphor trails that the asteroids cocktail in particular leaves as you uh, as you shoot um, and one of them has a pinball machine that they've been talking about but not really they they seem to sort of a lot of them were mystified when they came in and, and saw the games that didn't really know how to, to play um, some of the, some of the games, but it was, it was a good, it was a good, like a good introduction and a good um, sort of experience, I think for everyone to, to sort of to play games that they hadn't played. One of the things we did was take an inspiration from summer camp. Uh, we, we had the, uh, we had a tournament with uh, specific games picked out and, had uh, had people play those games so that they could uh, enjoy uh, ones that they otherwise would not have played. Do do one one of the things that I've heard from you know people in this sort of um, with these sort of sort of exchanges is somebody will ask them, "Hey, can you help me uh, find one?" Right. And, you know, you say in, let's say it's like a Tron, right? They're like, hey, if you can find me a good deal on a working Tron, right, let me know, right? And you'll come back and say, hey, I found you a great deal on a working Tron. It's $1,200. And like, wow, that's so much more, that's so much more than I would yeah, want to do for something nobody, like that. <laughs> nobody has a concept of uh, how much money um, either these things cost when they work or how much money and time and effort because uh, time and effort is money that you put into these things to get them to work if you get them for a crazy cheap deal and they were uh, dead. But uh, if you enjoy that, right? If you yeah, en like, enjoy it, like for me, I, I, you know, I enjoy working on and fixing these just as much, if not more than, than playing them. Right. So to me, you know, I would, I would rather buy a broken cabinet for a hundred bucks and spend $900 to bring it back to life rather than to just buy a working one, uh, 4,000. But that probably is because there's something wrong, uh, uh, with my brain chemistry or, or wiring. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, I know Yo Eddie has, has, uh, jumped out of the, the live chat, but he was asking earlier specifically about, switching power supplies versus versus linear power supplies um uh, uh kate do you do you ever go through the trouble of of trying to fix an original linear power supply or do you just always go straight to the the switcher if it's not working nope i'll throw a switcher in there um typically they they make adapters so you can just you don't have to do any uh wiring work and just attach an adapter to your switcher and call it good 
Uh, sometimes I don't even feel like buying the adapter and I'll just cut up the wiring and make it work uh, because people don't care. They really don't. Um, yeah. I'll, like, well, they're just going to bring it back to you anyway, if it needs to be fixed. Right. Yeah. As I say, and, and then even if that's the case, then, you know, you just put a new switcher in it and you just move the wires from the old one to the new one. So, you know, why would you have to go all that work? Those to original plastic connectors. Those original plastic connectors. They're so precious. <laughs> what about, well, what about ones like, um, you know, where the, the power supply isn't just a power supply, like an AR board, right? Or what about something like a, like a Qbert that's got a bunch of bizarre, you know, voltages that a, a typical switcher isn't going to provide? So for things like that, um, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll rebuild the original power supply if I can. Um, but most, most games don't need anything more than 5, 12, and negative 5. So, uh, you know, Switcher does the job. But, you know, I've come across ones that, that do need some very unique voltages. Some of them use, like, 3 volts AC. Um, I, I ran into one like that before. Um, and then when it comes to, like, AR2s and stuff like that, you know, AR2s are pretty plentiful. If, if the one I have isn't good and I can't fix it, I can replace it with a different one and it'll be fine. Um, but... If it's just something that I can replace with a switcher and, and an adapter, then that's more cost efficient. It's easy to repair if it breaks again, and um, I wouldn't say it's more reliable, but you know, it's 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 easier to deal with. And it it, it cracked me up the first time I ever uh, opened up a um, a Centauri cabinet. Uh, this was one my my buddy has. It's a uh, Circus Charlie that was converted to a uh, a Tidal Alcon, which is just sort of almost a generic kind of vertical scrolling uh, shooter. Um, I open it up and I see I see the power supply in there, and I'm like, is this some sort of ancient like switching power supply, right? Because and it, you know because this was a conversion, and and you know I think Alcon is JAMA and it had been tied into this power supply, but but. Uh, 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 Centauri used uh, switching power, like even in the early 80s, they used a, a primitive switching power supply that looks a little bit like a, you know, um, uh, is it Peter Cho sort of standard looking uh, power supply, but it, it looks it looks almost like a, you know, an ancient artifact uh, a version of that. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, what about uh, uh, Liam and, and uh, Jeremiah, more purists on the, the side? Do you guys go go full uh, linear or do you ever throw a switcher in? Not one of our games that um, has original boards and should have a linear supply has a switcher instead. The, the only of our classic machines that has a, a switcher in it is Robotron because it has the J-Rock. But if we ever got a, a Robotron board set, I have a Robotron power supply minus the heat sink in the closet. So that would be... A, used in that case i've gone to, again we've gone to links to try to fix these centipedes died literally a few days ago and repaired it bad 2m35.5 firefox has got two of those in it and they had to be uh tuned simultaneously two ars in firefox we did restore the uh this was actually the most effort um people told me to call it quits and get a switching power supply, but Tron had a massive amount of corrosion on the wiring harness and on the power supply. And I think months were spent on and off trying to debug Tron 
and fix it. I ended up cutting the harness, I think, eight inches away from the power supply and creating entire new heads, resoldering every wire to new sockets and rebuilding the power supply completely, as well as the suitcase. And it works. It is still running on its original power supply, uh, which had a lot of acid damage. Um, but it is uh, it's working. So, And I just saw a comment um, from Cameron about Laserdisc players. Actually, yes, we have, uh, as mentioned in the Firefox video, we had three Laserdisc players. Unfortunately, uh, one did not uh, survive the rebuild process, but the other one did. And we do have a spare semi-working uh, Laserdisc player. It just needs to be tuned up to be as good as the one that's in our machine. Uh, Jeremiah, uh, I'm curious about, and I know this is spoiling a future episode, but you already talked a little bit about with the with the antique claw having to go to a you know modern motor. Uh, you know, what did that look like power supply wise, right? Like I must have had a very, very primitive power supply inside, you know, from the thirties, but what was that like to get that back up and running? So that machine, everything on it ran on 120 volts. There was no power supply. There was no transformer. It was all 120 volts on or off was the whole way the thing works. And uh, I'll get more into that in the video itself because it is complex, but also simple and to the point. But um, yeah, for that one, I just popped a, a 12 volt power supply in there and where it initially would send 120 volts straight to a motor, it's sending that 120 volts to a power supply instead. And then that's sending 12 volts to the DC motor. But uh, to get to the power supply question for the other machines. Um, so Liam says anything that's supposed to have a linear power supply does not have a switcher. In my case, anything that originally had a, a linear power supply now has a switcher, including my Miss Pac-Man, because that is actually a converted Super Pac-Man. Super Pac-Man had a linear instead of a transformer, and now that's got a switcher in it. So any any chance I have to throw a universal switching power supply in there, it's going in there. Like I mentioned, 100 years from now, well, those things will be dust in 100 years, but 50 years from now, someone can pop in a new switcher and get their game working again. So I, I have no interest in spending days of my limited time on Earth fixing a stupid old linear power supply just to give it the same... 12 volts that a switcher will give it. So there's my opinion on that. Okay. There well, are I mean, a few games that don't work with the switching power supplies very well, though. Like, take, for instance, uh, Joust or Robotron. They uh, they tend to freak out unless you have specialized equipment attached to those uh, switching power supplies. Well, that's a different case, then. I just And if I can easily... If it's easier to put in a switcher than fix the linear, a switcher's going in there. That's my, well, I've uh, put I put switchers in uh, in Williams games that have the adapter, and they they seem to work okay for me, or I guess for the new owners. And and you know, for me, um, you know, like Liam, uh, I've got all linears in games that came with a linear. Um, I enjoy rebuilding, you know, power supplies. Right, like like the thing that I'm always the most intimidated by the well, the thing, the two things that I'm always most, three things I'm always, always most intimidated by PCB repair vector monitors and, you know, trying to get artwork or, or cabinet, like woodworking, uh, uh, perfect. I'll work on raster chassis all day long. No problem. I'll work on, uh, uh, you know, linear power supplies all day. No, like I, I enjoy, I enjoy doing that. I think what I'm going to do though, for the, the Dig Dug cocktail, right? It's got a switcher in there for the do run run. 
I'm going to leave that switcher in there. I'm going to fix all the thing. I'm going to put the put a, a trans an ISO in there. I'm going to put a line filter in there, a fuse, get all that done right. I don't think I'm going to go and and get a an AR2 to put it in there. I don't think I'm going to get a um, an original Dig Dug uh, cocktail uh, harness. Right. I'm never going to find one of those. Um, so I'm just going to go JAMA with a PCB adapter, and that's going to be kind of the the limit of my my craziness. Like for for me, you know, I would say I'm a you know, a, a purist, but definitely with a pragmatic sort of limit, right? Like if it, if it's going to balloon the cost of something, you know, I, I just, it, it, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. Right. Like it's, it's, you know, uh, it, at a certain point it would be cheaper to just buy another project. That's, that's, you know, complete. Right. Uh, I get, I, and like, I'm trying to, to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to lean away from uh, uh, conversions uh, or deconversion projects just because, you know, they tend to be more difficult. Uh, Cameron says, if you're going to uh, jam it, just bit kit it. Maybe, maybe we'll get to that point. Uh, I've got, again, you know, I've only, I haven't shown all of them. I've got a couple of jamma cabinets now and I'll likely uh, maybe even get two bit kits uh, and run one horizontal and one, one vertical. Um, another question we got from, uh, from Yo Eddie, who is, has, uh, dropped out is, uh, free play versus quarters, right? Speaking of originality in this case, right. Um, you know, he says he only, uh, runs quarters in his arcade free play is, is not allowed for your guys's home, uh, collections. The three of you who runs quarters, who runs free play, who does what? Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll let first. Um, Everything is free play because I only have three machines anyway. But one of them is a multi-cade, so who cares? Uh, and then the pinball machines, you just hit the start button to go. I, no one really would notice the difference. If I if I handed them quarters like, here, you have to put these in, they'd be like, oh, okay, and they just play. But it doesn't like enhance the experience for them or anything like that. There are only a few games that I could think of in which quarters would ex enhance the experience. For us, our machines are all on free play here. Um, the ones that don't have free play, such as Tron, uh, are wired with a uh, button uh, to give it a credit. Um, the only games I can really think of would be things like Gauntlet. Gauntlet is a quarter muncher. There is a satisfaction to putting a quarter in Gauntlet to to get that extra life as your as your life dwindles away. And some people I've read on the forums will put like a coin bucket on one side of the room. And you have to go run back and forth if you need more quarters to shove into Gauntlet. Um, same thing with X-Men or any of these other big four-player uh, quarter muncher uh, beat-em-ups. But we don't have it uh, for here. We have buttons above each coin door for uh, for credit. Although in our machines, all the original coin mechs are intact. We could put them on credit should we have chosen to do so. Um, but it, it's just a preference thing. I didn't want people having to finagle quarters, and I didn't want to deal with uh, cleaning out uh, uh, coin jams. Uh, there's there's a merit to that because I I had a, a Gauntlet Dark Legacy in my own collection for a while and uh, just having it having it on free play kind of took away the appeal of the game. Like there's there was no danger. There was never worrying about running out of health or anything like that. It just kind of kind of killed the vibe. And it just became a slog to get through that game when there was no danger in playing it. What do you got there, Jeremiah? It ain't called free play corner. <laughs> so some of these games, especially like electromechanical ones, if you were to replace, if you were to just wire a switch into the coin switch, you run the risk of somebody holding that longer 
than the duration that a coin would hit that switch. And with EM machines, that runs the risk of setting the whole circuit off in a way that it was never designed to work with. So, um, and then I've got some games that are just purely mechanical. There's no way to make it work without a coin being put into this mechanism unless you significantly modified it um, beyond the original designer's intent. So, and combine that with the fact that like it's just so satisfying the sound of one of these one of these quarters, first just jingling in general, but also running through a coin mech and splashing in the coin pan. That's part of the the antique experience in my opinion. I, but once again, I, I agree. Mine's a little I'm, bit bigger. But I got. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, I guarantee you, I have more quarters than you do because uh, <laughs> I kept every single quarter for my arcade business because I just I never took them to the bank. It was too much effort, so I, I would always just transfer cash from one account to the other in the value of the coin. So I've got like four hundred dollars worth of quarters sitting around here. But uh, that's I may we'll or cut may this, not. We'll cut this I out. May or may not use uh, one of these machines as a piggy bank. There you go. <laughs> well, and and I've got. Right, like I uh, I haven't touched it since I did the the pickup video. But what else is there? That's basically what Overtime Arcade is all about. Uh, I got the um, I actually got it from Jacklick, uh, also another great uh, YouTube channel. Uh, Jacklick's I think Arcade and Tech Repair Journey. I have a uh, one of the skinny uh, row um, uh, 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 change machines um, that will eventually be replacing the the big blue bucket of, of quarters uh, that I've got here for my kids. You know, my wife and I joke that, uh, you know, we bribe our kids uh, or we should say incentivize good behavior uh, with quarters, right? So, oh, you don't want to clean up. You can have a handful of quarters, right? And where else are they going to spend it, right? They're not going to go to the, the corner store and buy a soda or something. Uh, and so the money just keeps going around in a circle. It's like a closed economy uh, company store. Um, but, right, like there are limits to that. The, um uh, we have the, uh, you know, we've got games in multiple places in the house right now. Uh, the games that are in the kids' room now, Centipede and uh, NBA Jam, those are on free play because I don't want to have multiple buckets. I don't want quarters kind of flying all over the house. Um, you know, Centipede has perfectly fine free play mode, right? Some games have terrible free play, right? Well, they'll just sit on the, uh, the start screen waiting for you to press start. They won't cycle through the attract mode and you'll just burn the heck out of your, your monitor. Uh, Centipede is great. It has perfectly normal attract mode, even with the stock uh, free play uh, from the uh, the machine. And with NBA Jam, right, I've got four kids and they'll play, you know, a four player, four quarter game, perhaps with overtime. And that's, you know, 50 quarters that they would have to drop into the machine uh, to put a, a, you know, a, a quarter per quarter and then a corner, a quarter for overtime for four players is you know four times five 50 quarters or 20 quarters and that's just way too many so that's running on free play um i do have a game uh in the office at work uh that's my class of 1981 but that's also the home version that doesn't have a a, a coin door i am planning on relatively soon moving the uh, donkey kong jr cocktail that's right here under jerry's pizza box uh to the office and i bought that doesn't have a great i don't think it has free play at all uh, built into the, the the PCB. So I've got a free play kit from uh, uh, Brasington that I'm going to put onto that, which also kind of is a good segue into um, one of uh, Sean's questions, uh, which was, how does everyone feel about leaving your games powered on when they're not being played? Curious if some of the purists view that as a no-no to extend the life of uh, original internals. And I know that the guys all here give me uh, grief for having my games running while I'm uh, uh, doing the podcast. 
and every month this is probably the longest stretch these two hours that the that the the games are on they come on every week but they're usually on for maybe half an hour an hour until the kids decide they want to play something else yeah, i turn the games on when i'm doing the background for my intros and my in my videos um you know but these machines are meant to be meant to be played meant to be on however the one the game that i have at my uh, office at work I work from home most days. I only go in a couple of days a week. And every time I go in, the machine is on, right? And if I'm ever one of the last people to leave for the day, I make sure to turn it off just so that it's not running on, not unnecessarily uh, uh, overnight. And every time I come in, and I'm sure it's being left on over the weekend, uh, uh, whatever. And I guess I'm, I'm not too worried about it, but it does have a burn-free uh, 7200 uh, uh, in it. So um Maybe I should rotate that out at some point or put it on some sort of uh, a timer. Uh, I could even control it from home if I wanted to over, over Wi-Fi. But uh, I know, like, for example, Liam, you don't have your games on right now. Uh, I, don't, I can't tell, but I don't think Jeremiah has his games on. So I don't think uh, most folks don't have their games running uh, anywhere near 24-7. I know, uh, Kay, you put something in the chat about what you tell your customers that I thought was uh, pretty insightful. Yeah, the way I see it, these machines were meant to be run 16-7, not 24-7. And that was, you know, 20 or 40 years ago when those machines were new. Even with the replaced components, those machines, they don't need to be running 24-7 anyway. So I tell my customers, if you're not playing it, shut it off. There's no reason to have it on draining your draining your electricity and shortening the length of the components. We, we, we have everything hooked into our smart home system and the games themselves have idle timers. So if you're not playing it and it, enough time goes by, the system will warn us through notifications on our phones and then shut them off automatically if we don't respond. We have to disable it with party mode if we want to have them on for a longer period of time or have multiple on at once. And this is all because I left Tron on once for like three hours and didn't realize that it was still on. So I felt really bad about that. <laughs> I've got so the two really old claw machines. I'll turn those on and leave them on all day because power is only running to the lights on those, and I just like to watch them. So this uh, cocktail crane, if power runs to the lights, it's also running to the power supply and the circuit board. So I'm only, I'll turn that on for the show because nothing in that is going to wear out with it just sitting there. Anything with a CRT, I only turn it on when I'm playing it, and I turn on just the one I'm playing. Every now and then I'll run all the games for a while. Just, you know, I, I've heard that there are some issues you can encounter if a tube is not turned on for an extended period of time. And I'll, I'll turn everything on just to get past that. But no, I, I don't like the idea of leaving these consumable tubes running for an extended period of time when you're not actively enjoying them. Whoop. Yeah. Uh, um, I like the ambiance, right? Uh, I, I feel bad that I don't have my pinball machines on. But uh, I'm working on the the play choice a little bit, so it's pulled out and, and disconnected. Um, yeah, I think it's all part of the experience too, right? Like you've got, in my opinion, you got these things at home. You know, you want to enjoy them, not just playing them, but also aesthetically, right? Like, you yeah. know, it, it would the back, you know, uh, Jeremiah's background would look different if the if those claws, you know, weren't turned on. There you go. And now uh, Liam's going to step up to the challenge and for the last ten minutes of the episode, run his game. So no, I just turned go. on the black lights. Oh, okay. okay. I'm not turning on the games. I'm not playing them. <laughs> uh, you just rejuve that monitor. I'm not going to burn it out. Well, and if you and if you turn on the Firefox, nobody will be able to hear you talk between <laughs> the between the the attract mode uh, noise and the the fans that sound like a jet engine spinning up. Um, we got a, another. For the second question time from... with the smoke. I'm proud of you, Liam. 
there you go. <laughs> um, and it, it, the black lights in there look look really really cool. Um, uh, another question we got from from Sean, who's also I think the the newest uh, uh, channel member for Overtime Arcade. Thank you, Sean. Sean asks, uh, what does everybody think about replacing uh, monitor caps, flybacks, pots, that sort of thing? So I'm happy to go go first there. So I only replace things if necessary, right? Like if I get a monitor and it's working perfectly as is, I'm just going to leave it, right? Uh, I'll make sure that everything's working. I'll test it, you know, check the B+, right? I might even throw the, the rejuvenator onto the tube just to do uh, some testing. But if it's working fine, like don't don't fix it if it ain't broke, right? Um, but if I, if there is some reason that I do need to, to fix it, right. Like one of the first things I'll do is a cap kit, right. Uh, for certain, like for, for the geo seven, kind of maybe an old wives tale, right. But everyone says, or a lot of people say, if you do a cap kit on a geo seven for, uh, the, the 19 inch, not the 13 inch on the 19 inch, you might as well replace the flyback because the new caps are going to kill the original flyback anyway. Um, Pots I usually leave as is unless again there's some sort of some issue. Sometimes I'll pull the pot off and test it and you know put some spray some deoxid on it and work it back and forth. But if the pot's not working, I'll I'll replace them. Um, but you know I don't go and replace them if if that's not necessary. And I don't see that necessarily as like a purist thing by any stretch. Like my my Senate, like I think the only monitor down here that hasn't been touched at all is the. The, the centipede monitor I've done nothing to other than adjustments, uh, but it has flaked out on me, which tells me at some point it is going to need to be uh, rebuilt, but that's not a purist thing for me. That's, um, that's more of like a, a laziness slash, you know, again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, but I don't, I don't know what the rest of the guys uh, do when it comes to that sort of thing. You know, maybe first K do you, are there, is there any sort of like, again, because you're working with customers, right. And you're sending these machines, you know, into their businesses, into their homes and you want to make for less work for you and for them. So is there sort of any like standard preventative maintenance that you do for a monitor? Or if it's working, do you leave it as is? I do preventative maintenance because everything I sell comes with a warranty. And I don't want to see that machine again unless I'm buying it back. Um, so for every every monitor that comes through uh, gets at the very least recapped. Um now, if it's been recapped in the past, you know, I'll leave it as is. But if it's running on original caps, I'll definitely do a cap kit on it. And um, when it comes to flybacks, I will typically replace the fly on a on a Geo 7 because I have watched them fail after doing cap kits on them. Uh, sometimes I'll do it to a, a Sanyo 20 Easy as well because I've watched those fail. And um, uh, K7000s, I'll usually replace the flies on as well. But most other... Um, most other chassis, if it's still got the original flies and they're working just fine, I'll do the recap kit. I'll run it through a stress test where it runs, you know, 72 hours, you know, running straight the entire time. And then I'll turn it off and on a few times to make sure it can handle the stress. And if it, if it passes that test, it's probably good to go. I'll take it out the door. And uh, what about the rest of the guys? Most of ours have been worked on in some fashion, either because they failed or uh, they uh, were beginning to to show their signs of age. I think only two of our games have not had any monitor work done on them, and that would be uh, our Aliens cabinet and our Gate of Doom cabinet. Um, actually, no, our, our Robotron also, but it needs work. It needs to be recapped. It's getting very blurry. So... 
everything else uh, has had it. We did have, like like Kay was saying, we had a Geo 7 that replaced the, the uh, caps on and blew up the flyback. Um, actually, twice we had two Geo 7s blow their flybacks. So definitely those needed to get replaced. It was Crystal Castles and uh, Miss Pac-Man both blew out their flybacks. In the case of uh, Crystal Castles, is pretty catastrophic, and it took out part of the rest of the board, too. So I don't feel bad about replacing uh, a flyback. Uh, it's a part that wears out, same with the capacitors. And there's not really any way around it. If you want to keep that monitor going, you're going to have to replace those parts if they're failing. What about you, Jeremiah? So if I even consider buying a G anything with the Geo 7 or any monitor where all the parts are immediately replaceable, you've got a cap kit you can buy and a flyback you can buy, I'm going to do that stuff. Like I, I may turn it on before doing that. Half the time, I'm just going to replace everything I can. And then with the Geo 7, you get like the FR401 and other resistors that are known to immediately be bad. I, I see no use in, in giving that time to fail and destroy something else. So why not just immediately replace it? Awesome. Well, I think that makes a great episode, right? So we're coming up on, on two hours. I think we talked about, you know, everything, everything we wanted to, to cover here. Is there anything, you know, before we get to kind of, you know, farewells or whatever, is there anything that uh, any of the three you wanted to touch on this topic that we didn't, that we didn't hit on, right? You know, disdain for arcade one-ups or, Hey, I prefer this reproduction over that reproduction, you know, what do, uh, you know, anything you want to add? And yes, Chance, sorry, we only do this once a month. But uh, hey, if you want, we can we can do it more frequently if there's a demand for it. Anything else you guys want to add to this topic? Uh, Mike said something in the chat earlier that I wanted to touch on. Uh, vector VGAs. Uh, he talked about putting one in a Tempest. Uh, I've had to do that as well because, you know, color vector monitors are finite. You can only... There's only so many of them out there, and uh, they're not in my warehouse. So I had a Tempest that straight up did not have a, a tube in it or a monitor or anything, any chassis, nothing, no frame, at, all completely gutted. And the only way that Tempest was ever going to live again was if I put a flat screen and a vector VGA in it. And the result was okay. Like, you could tell it definitely didn't have a vector monitor in it, but there wasn't any video lag or anything like that. It was a perfectly playable game. You put it behind the smoked, uh, the smoked glass and you can't even really, I mean, you can tell if you know, but it doesn't have the jittering. You don't, you don't hear the sounds of the jittering, but it's a perfectly playable game. And I sold it to a customer who really enjoyed it. So it's the difference between having a working Tempest that someone has in their home that they can play and enjoy or a broken Tempest that would still be sitting in my warehouse that no one could do anything with because I'll never find a monitor for it. So, you know, sometimes you have to find a happy medium if you want to have a working game versus a project that will just sit there until you're dead. Liam or, Liam or Jeremiah? Vector VGAs have their place. No. Uh, they, I don't like it. Um, that I love the, the 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 Tempest monitor. I will Sam can attest to this. I am weird enough that I will sit there in front of the monitor and just listen to it. Again, sound is very important to me. And I will listen to that vector chatter. And if I were to see a vector game 
if I, if I were to be put in front of a vector game and I didn't hear that sound, I would know. <laughs> so, um, but they, they do have their place. You program it into really an FPGA and play that along with the sound. I think it's a really cool piece of technology and I'm, I'm glad that it exists um, for people to use. And I'm actually curious to see one in person uh, to see uh, what, what the uh, result is like on a CRT hooked up to it. I think they're a little expensive though. Almost as yeah, much it's, as getting a vector. It's like 575 bucks for the vector VGA. But especially if you were going to put one in a business to run 16.7, I would prefer the reliability of a flat screen and a vector VGA than over a, a K6100 just because I don't want to go in there every two months and fix that thing. Yeah, and Tempest and Space Tools in particular are found often without a uh, 6100 in them because people scalp those 6100s to fix other more quote-unquote desirable vector games like Havoc and Quantum or, or Star Wars, especially poor uh, Space Tools get their monitors stolen a lot. I am guilty of doing that. Right, and I'm scrambling to try to get our, our outro uh, thing working, and I think I might have found a, a loop around. Uh, I don't know if we want to go around the horn and uh, tell everybody where uh, they can find you if they want to uh, hear more of your uh, beautiful voice and, and your opinions on, on all things related to CoinOp. All right, I'll go first. Um, you can find me in the streets if you want to catch these hands. But other than that, you can find me on TikTok under the name Prime underscore Arcade. I do videos of all the repairs I do, pickups, deliveries, okay. little slices Jeremiah of life, Jackson. things like that. Oh, there we go. Rude. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's mostly I just do videos of my repairs. And uh, they're not long form. They're very short form. So it's just kind of a summary of what I've done to a machine, but you can kind of see the internals of what I do and kind of get a feel for what it is I do to machines. And it also makes a great resource for me. So if I end up with a machine back or if I have to do a repair on something I've worked on before, I can watch my previous videos and see what the hell I did to it the first time. Cause I don't remember. And I am Liam from Retrobotics. You can find us there cause I am only one half of that team. And hopefully we'll have some more content soon of some fashion. We just finished up Gauntlet and there's a video out today. So if you're into uh, just watching us talk about random games, come and take a look. Jeremiah, do you want to... You started and then stopped. You're starting to look fuzzy, Jeremiah. Are we losing yeah. your uh, signal? Yeah, he just put oh, a comment that says his gone. internet's dying. So, All right. Well, you can find Jeremiah. There he goes. You can find Jeremiah at CoinOp Corner on uh, on YouTube. Uh, hopefully, he'll have uh, something coming out soon. He's been teasing a bunch of stuff lately on his community tab. And Jeremiah is also Jeremiah Jackson on Clav. if you want to go uh, mess with him there. Uh, and... Of course, I'm Charlie from Overtime Arcade. If you're watching this right now, you're watching my uh, you're watching it on my channel. I do videos uh, typically every Sunday afternoons, long form, you know, sometimes an hour longer restoration project videos, and I throw some short ones in between. And I think I'm going to try to do this. I think I've got it figured out. It wouldn't let me upload a, a music file, but I think I've got this. So uh, I think we'll wrap it up here. 
Thanks everybody for watching. If you're listening to this later, the audio version, thank you so much. Really appreciate everyone's uh, love and interaction in the uh, the live chat. Uh, and of course, uh, all of our folks who donated via the, uh, um, uh, the super chat, uh, Jerry and Stringer and Frog Puppet and uh, Sean, I think. Uh, thank you so much for all of that. And uh, well, uh, we've got Jeremiah here just in time to say goodbye. And I'm going to play his music, I think. Let me hit this button. No? Do I need to do it live? No. It should be much. playing. It probably stripped the audio from it. I promise you I'm going to spend some time on this before the next episode. I'm going to do my monthly members-only live stream for Overtime Arcade sometime early next week, and I will practice with them and make sure that it's working. Uh, but anyway, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to this Coin Jam podcast. We'll see you next month.